You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers. With Saya, Anissa and Boroma. And this is the year and yak for 2021. Hi, this is Saya. And this is Anissa. And this is Boroma. Welcome! <laughs> hey! <laughs> Shall we launch the Gogomas? <laughs> yes, let's get into the Gogoma Awards. Also, if you're a new listener and you're wondering why we're, we named our awards after sweet potatoes, um, Gogoma is the name of our mascot, Yak. So the awards are named after him. Mm-hmm. He gives them out. Yes. They're little mini-me's. <laughs> yes. If we had money, we would make little Gogoma like, statues, but we don't. <laughs> so Out of chocolate, though. Exactly. Gold foil wrapped. Yes. <laughs> you know, like those lint Easter bunnies. Do you guys get those? Yes, yes, we do. They're good. Staple of my childhood. That chocolate is good chocolate. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it seems like the most appropriate place to begin is the biggest hit of the year, which... Gogoma has decided to call the most halutastic drama of the year. Yes. Is there even any competition for it? <laughs> no, no, no competition. No. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm kind of relieved we've reached that point of the year where people have stopped talking about it and I just don't have to keep seeing it everywhere anymore. Is, is that why you're like not even mentioning its name? Like, what is it like the drama that cannot be named? We're talking about Squid Game, guys, obviously. It's more like the drama that need not be named because yes, yes. who doesn't know what drama we're talking about? Even when they come yeah. back to this in like 2031, they'll be like, yeah, they're talking about Squid Game. It's 2021. What else would they be talking about? Right. And it's, you know, this is a good thing that the hype is finally dying down because I can maybe watch it now. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's surprised at this turn of events that it's not just Squid Game that was just dominating international viewership. There's also Hellbound and My Name, all of which, you know, ranked in the top 10s and even probably just the top of the 10s in Netflix worldwide. And yeah, currently they also release Silency, which I don't know how it's ranking yet. But what I'm saying is it's just mm. year of Netflix K-drama, right? Th- their investment is paying off like manifold at this point. Yeah. Yes, I would agree. I think definitely there, there were some people who were like, Squid Game was good. Now I'm going to move on. And other people were like, Squid Game was good. Let me see what other dramas I can watch. Yeah, I feel like everything else that has trended since Squid Game has been people trying to find the Squid Game fix. Like something that is going to give them the same kick that Squid Game yeah, did. Yeah, I agree. And I will admit that I was wrong in saying that Squid Game is not going to be a gateway to K-dramas. That it's too different from normal K-drama, so people wouldn't use that as a gate. I, I think a lot of people did. Mm. Friends and family whom I couldn't e- introduce to K-dramas before, they caught Squid Game and they were interested enough to like finally listen to my recommendations and watch other dramas. <laughs> so I'll take that back. <laughs> and I mean, we talked about this, like K-Fangirl and I, when we did our, like, our yak on episode 79 of Squid Game, we talked about this, that like in some ways it's very different from a typical K-drama, but in other ways... It's very much a K-drama. So there are enough of those elements that are also in other Korean dramas that if you did go and seek out, especially something in a similar genre, Mm. it wouldn't feel like you were going to something totally different um, and be like, well, what's this? This isn't what I wanted. Yeah. Unless you landed in a rom-com and then you'd be like, well, that's not what I was 
signing up for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but to be fair, like rom-coms are pretty clearly rom-coms. Yeah, they, they need to be led to the devil judges or even beyond evil and like steered away from <laughs> other rom-coms. But I feel like the Netflix algorithm is like Epic. good enough at picking <laughs> yeah. these things so that if you did like search for something after you watched Squid Game, they would be like, here, watch my name or like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Because once you've crossed the threshold of watching something in a different language or just, you know, in Korean with subtitles, the yeah. next ones are then they don't present the same barrier that the first one does because you've crossed. Now you can watch anything. <laughs> basically. <laughs> oh, but one thing I have noticed is that a lot of people who have watched Squid Games and then started watching K-dramas, they do find the number of episodes and, and the length of each episode a bit of a impediment mm. to properly get into K-dramas. It is long. Yeah. But again, I think a lot of these people who are getting into K-dramas are specifically getting into the Netflix format K-dramas, mm. like more of my name and the silency than, yeah. you know, and they are watching it on Netflix, so that would make sense. Yeah. yeah. So they will get their fix, exactly the kind of dramas mm. they want, because Netflix will create more and more of them. Yeah. And the other thing that I kind of want to mention is that some of the conversation around the explosion of Squid Game has been sort of like, you know, this came out of nowhere, and who knew that K-dramas could perform like this? But actually, I mean, we know that's not true, but also... It was always, a, and we've talked about this in previous episodes as well, that it's just kind of a matter of timing, like which drama it would be that hit that point where it just exploded. But I feel like for many, many years, every drama has been trying mm -hmm. to be Squid Game. Every drama, for example, in the magical realism romance kind of uh, genre has been trying to be Goblin. Like every drama tries. Actually, that's not that's not true. Some dramas are perfectly happy to stay in their lane and not shoot for stardom. But as a general trend, dramas are always trying to hit superstar status. And it's just about which one it's going to be. Well, right. And even if you look at the 90s, when Korean dramas kind of as we know them came into being, one of the goals was always to export that media to other mm -hmm. countries. It's just that the scale and the ambition of where to export that to has just been growing and growing. Exactly. Because initially it was mostly they were looking to export to Asian markets mm -hmm. because that was around the time of the IMF financial crisis. Yeah. And the country didn't really have much to export or really anything to export. Mm -hmm. And this was something that they kind of deliberately thought about as an export that could be financially viable. And it was eventually very, mm -hmm. and, and over like decades, you know, K-dramas have been big in Asia for a long time. Yeah. So they're having their day in the Anglophone world now. Yeah. Well, and I'm always like kind of annoyed when uh, Americans discover something and are like, wow, this new thing that we discovered. And you're like, no, yeah. no. Everyone else has known about this. I have landed. <laughs> but America was always here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying Americans because I'm American. So, but um, it's, I think it's a general Western trend. Yeah. And he's always saying it for all of us. <laughs> but it's like, it's not even like we discovered a thing. It's like we invented a thing. Mm, yes. 
or it now matters because we noticed it. Yeah. Therefore, it's like good. it didn't matter before, but now we think it's good. So now everyone has to yeah. think that it's good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons why it's been so annoying to watch all of the endless commentary about Squid Game is that they just go on and on about how they discovered this one thing and it's got value, as you say, because they've now decided it has value. And you're like, even in its genre, Squid Game is not new. Mm-hmm. Yes, it sort of hit that sweet point of really making it big but there are so many other dramas in its various genres that would sort of be able to sit comfortably next to it on the shelf without being overshadowed agreed Mm -hmm. and if you're i mean one of the things that seems to like really take new viewers for a spin is the whole you know the way the class structure is shown and it's like they are discovering classism anew. What? This exists? <laughs> and in Korea, yeah. my goodness. It's like not like every Korean drama ever doesn't talk about that in some way. Or Literally oh every, God. yeah. Literally every single one. It's like the underlying yeah. theme of everything. <laughs> and it's so funny because like, for example, in the UK, class is it dominates everything in a way that it's just not the same, I don't think, anywhere else in the world. Like, it's so huge that, like, nobody even talks about it. That's how big it is. Like, it's so in the water, it's so in the air. You can't talk about any issue in this country without it being primarily about class. And yet, somehow, none of that makes its way into our storytelling. It does, but in a glorified way. Like, oh my God, you're poor, but you have a cute accent and you belong to a certain (laughs) part of the country. That's why you're like quaint. Not because you're poor and have been dominated by other classes for centuries. (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean, though, because like there is something about how Korean dramas make the class inequalities explicit Mm. that is really satisfying um, that I haven't seen in other media, whether that's American media or um, British media. Mm. Yeah. And that was the Goguma for the most halutastic. But speaking of like overarching themes like class and stuff, our next Goguma award is for the biggest ideas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So many big ideas in Dramaland this year. So, Mm. so many. Not all of them done well, but sh- should we sort of take a little jaunt through what the ideas yeah, were? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Points, for, points for high concept. Yes. Go P. Okay. So I guess like we should start with Sisyphus because like remember before Sisyphus released the hype that we we were all in imagining what a... Uh, so you know, much hype. It's it's so much hype because of the cast, because JTBC's yeah. 10th year anniversary draw. We expected this thing to be just explosive. And when the thing landed, it was a bit of a wet <laughs> plop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my notes say this was a wet towel. <laughs> yes, that's that. Exactly that. And both I and I ended up really liking the drama, but we have to admit that the scope of imagination that was clearly behind the story just was not, it, it didn't quite translate properly. But massive points for figuring out a time travel theory that kind of holds up. So, uh, because it was a lot of fun discussing. It was very diligent it was, in it its was. world building. And I think that was it, like its strengths lay in components of it rather than the cohesive whole. Like the cohesive whole definitely 
had quite major flaws. Mm. And I you don't have to keep reminding myself that I loved it because I keep forgetting that I did until <laughs> until I listened to our episode the other day and I was like, oh, I did love it. Because you kind of go away with the flavor of how everyone else feels about something. And this was a drama yeah. that many, many people quite vocally disliked. Anissa among them. Hi. Yes. <laughs> Who dropped it part way in. Sorry. I couldn't get past six episodes and even those were difficult for me to finish. I have to admit, I pushed myself to watch those six. Yeah, and completely understandably, like we all watch dramas for different reasons. And if you're not getting the thing that you signed up for, there's no reason to carry on. But I feel like at least once a year, Anita goes through this, like the year before she went through it with like Eternal Monarch. <laughs> like Sai and I ended up finishing it but Anissa was like I just can't anymore I think Can it's I give because up? we find there are just certain aspects of it that hook us that we're like I'll stay for this yeah. I think yeah it's also like which genre like tickles your brain in a certain mm. way that you're like willing to not be as bothered by certain other things yeah. whereas like if it's not a genre that you really love like I think both of you are bigger like fantasy and sci-fi nerds than I am I can really enjoy a good sci-fi or fantasy story. Mm. Not even fantasy. Like, what would you even call King Donald Moore? Yeah. Magical realism? Magic realism. Yeah. 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 It's not fa- I love fantasy. Fantasy, I, I would say I am a fantasy nerd. But like these two types of genres, like if there's not enough in the characters and the story to hook me, I'm not going to stay mm. just for like the setup or the concept. Whereas I feel like yeah. you guys do really love a good sci-fi concept that really works. I think when it feels we'll epic. stick for the production. <laughs> But also, sometimes I just stick around for the music in Sisyphus. Oh, does that do? Definitely. The music played a big part in sort of keeping me watching. The music was really mm. good. But there's also like the feeling, like how it makes you yeah, feel. But the feeling that I got from Sisyphus was tired. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can understand that. It's just so, so taste-based. No, so what I find hilarious is that I think Anissa kind of pushes herself to watch as much as she can because the two of us are going on about it. She's but like, well, do you, do you not also think that that perhaps makes it worse when you're not enjoying it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. because I do, I, they I, enjoyed that's it. That's what I'm saying. It's like an annual thing with Anissa. She, yeah. She'll really try <laughs> for our sake. Bless her. She did her best. Yeah. I mean, speaking of another really high concept drama, Luca was one that I did finish in the end and I persuaded Anissa not to finish without <laughs> going into big spoilers. Yeah. So, yeah. And I'm glad that you told me what happened at the end because I got to like episode nine and I really loved the first like six. I, the first six episodes were like perfect. Yeah. I mean, they weren't perfect from a technical perspective, but they were perfect emotionally for me. Like I just. Yeah, ugh. exactly. <laughs> Everything about the two of them and the it was just really interesting and the music was mm. amazing and like so stylish and the action and the directing, the cinematography like. Uh, and then at episode nine, I was like, this is getting kind of weird. And then I had remembered <laughs> that Saya had told me like, are you sure you want to finish Luca? And I was like, tell me what happens. I'm dropping it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess everybody hasn't watched these dramas, so we should quickly say what they are. Like Sisyphus was a time travel one like Park Shinya travels back from an apocalyptic future to meet the inventor of the time travel and things happen. Um, in Luca, Kim Rowan plays this character who is um, a super He's involved, like a genetically modified, yeah. yeah, hybrid of like human and various animal DNA that gives him like superpowers. Yeah, and electrical powers. Yeah. He, he's a human defibrillator, basically. And with magical healing and strength and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And oh, Dr. Brain was another one that was, I thought, very sort of ambitious in the story it tried to tell. 
where you had this doctor who figures out technology that allows him to transfer the memories and consciousness of another brain into his own. And he starts off as this kind of unemotional character. And through that, he develops, you know, certain characteristics. And, you know, he has to, like, solve a mystery of, like, his family members going missing or being killed and that kind of thing. So that was that. Squid Game we know about. Yeah. Then we had Yumi Cells. Oh, Yumi Cells. Do you want to talk about Yumi Cells? So, yeah, Yumi Cells, based on a webtoon, it's about a woman and all of the cells that live in her he- body, in her head, in her brain. I don't really body, know. Does it make sense? Body? Yeah. In, um, in, in a cell town inside her consciousness. In a little village, yeah. And they all have, like, their different jobs. And they were all made out of, like, CG animation. And that was, like, a very significant part of each episode. It wasn't, like, a little bit in episode one and then it just dropped off. Those characters were integral parts of the journey of the drama. And it was so well done in every way. It was so well mixed up. Like but the transition from the cells world to Yumi's world, it was just seamless and always relevant. It never felt extra. And Absolutely. the cells itself, they were voiced to perfection so by actors. That was just, <laughs> yes. I mean, they were so if you funny. see behind the scenes, it's, it's just epic. So that's an entire journey. Nobody thought they could pull it off as well as they did, but it was like the most perfect adaptation ever. Mm. Um, And finally, you have Silency, which just released on 24th. And see, it's just a triumph of production, is what I'm going to say. The idea is that you have this crew. So Earth is going through this drought. And obviously, a class system has been established where... Uh, the elite get like full access to water, whereas like poorer people have to have like cards that uh, lets them just get some rations of water every day. And it's like a horrible situation. Like what medical access you get is also dictated by the water card, you know, class that you're on. So anyways, a crew from Earth goes to the moon to kind of get something from a space station there that's being closed down. But something happened there five years ago. And the story itself isn't as magnificent as the production of it is. The spacecraft going yeah. through the space, crashing into the moon's surface, the crew members like walking across the planet's surface in that slow motion thing. And they have used slow motion excellently, like the whole, you know, moon surface thing. You have to watch it. No, you know mm. what I mean? Beautiful mm. spectacle. And like a space saga is something that we haven't really seen in K-dramas. I don't think space sweepers count because that was a movie for one. Mm. But also this was done on a different scale. So the sheer scale of it and how wonderfully they have done the CGI. There was like, you can nitpick, but overall, 100 out of 100 in terms of production. And the last one I want to add to that is happiness, which... Just the scale of it is incredible. That's the show that occurs in this post-COVID world where there's a mad human rabies virus going out, turning people into um, neck-biting um, zombies. <laughs> I, I, don't, yeah, I mean, they're of. sick people. They're not quite yeah. zombies. It's, it's a disease. But it takes place in this huge apartment complex, which is walled off. And just it's like the scale and the scope of it is so big and it's done so well. I mean, we'll talk about this a little more in in one of our later categories, but the way that they used the premise and the way that it built on the real world was just... I haven't actually finished it yet. I'm like nine episodes in and I'm scared about what's going to happen next. I tried very hard to finish it before we did this, but it didn't happen. (laughs) Only so many hours in the day. (sighs) 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was watch happiness or prepare for this recording. And you, know. you chose to show up. Thanks, Saya. I chose to show up. <laughs> so what do you guys like? I have a winner that I believe is the correct one, but it's also the only show that I've actually finished on this list. Um, so I feel like that's slightly biased. <laughs> I feel like we when we're talking about the biggest idea, we're also kind of capping it off with the one that was the most accomplished about executing it. So I think that I'm not going to disagree with what your winner will be. What about you, Parma? Yeah, me neither. I think I definitely agree with yours. And I would say um, in terms of execution, I mean, we actually have quite a few. I mean, you have Squid Game on this list after all. I would say oh, that's true. they definitely executed. That wasn't even um, a contender in my mind, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I just forgot about it after that. I, I don't think there was like one winner because I think quite mm. a few of these really executed their premise well. Yeah. I also forgot about Squid Game. So I guess there's <laughs> two that I finished. <laughs> but yeah, I think for me, Squid Game and Yumi Cells kind of both really, you know, were ambitious and then they pulled it off in a really great way. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's like Silency and Yumi Cells and like Sisyphus gets like a bit of a nod there too, because I think uh, like eventually they did pull it off, even though it was like a frustrating mm. ride till it. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I also, I want to give it to happiness, but I haven't finished it yet. Mm. <laughs> so I'll make that one a placeholder for me. Okay. The eternal conundrum. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Dr. Brain. It was so, so well done, but I feel like at the very end, I was a bit disappointed by the story. Okay. I've only watched so, 10 minutes, so. I'm sorry. <laughs> I watched the first episode. No, no, it was really good. Okay. It genuinely was. Okay. All right. So that was the Goguma for biggest ideas. So the next category, we have named it two ways. The first is most appropriately titled drama. And the next is best English titles for dramas because both the nominees of this category I think their original title the original English title just fit the story better than what we ended up with what we ended up with was number one she would never know and definitely Somewhere Don't Put On That Lipstick was a better fit. We'll come back to why in a second. And Doom At Your Service, which, oh my God, the original title was One Day Destruction Came Through My Front Door, which, <laughs> come on, doesn't that just like so feel much better. like so much better? It is much so better. much better. Yeah. yeah. So the first one, Somewhere Don't Put On That Lipstick. I mean, if you have watched the drama, even though I loved what they ended up doing with the story... Given the dynamic of our main couple, it just, it's the most perfect title possible. I just, I love that title so much and was so disappointed when they renamed it for whatever reason. Oh, yes. Saya just suggested Lost in Translation, which I think is perfect. Yay. Yeah, that's actually probably <laughs> the most perfect heading for this category. Now that I've understood it, I thought you meant it the other way around. I thought you meant that the English language title was better than the original Korean title. No, I mean, the original translated title was just perfectly fitting. Now I understand. <laughs> yeah, I also misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that translation or at least the transformation of title between original Korean and what is going to be the official title in English, it can be not bad. Like we've had a few. Even Beyond Evil had a completely different title. Its original title was uh, Monster, Kemul, and... It's ended up being called Beyond Evil. I don't have feelings about either title. I think they're both fine. Kemal is quite generic, you know, and mm. how many dramas are there called Monster? Yeah. <laughs> so many. Like, there's nothing to distinguish it. But then Beyond Evil isn't all that either. 
The drama was great, though. <laughs> if nothing else. <laughs> okay. But yeah, you're right about these two. The original titles are definitely, definitely much more like evocative. Yeah. yeah. They're just like more specific. They have more character. They're more interesting. Yeah. Mm. They're also mouthfuls. I mean, One Day Destruction came through my door is definitely a mouthful. I, yes, in terms of like what is easier to say, Doom at your service, yes. But I just think it's more appropriate for the drama. One Day Destruction came through my front door. It's just so evocative Yes. of like what actually happens in the drama. And yeah, yeah come on. I just, like it's, it's all of the layers of it come together in the title. Exactly. Mm. It, it makes me... This is one of the... That's one of the downfalls of like, A, the TV medium, which you, in English, like it's just not a convention of the form mm. to use long titles the way you can sometimes with like books. Um, and then the other thing is like, when you're translating something from another language, you're always going to have yeah. challenges and weird decisions made yeah. and a lot of people with their hands in the pot having opinions about what, what yeah. it should and be. Then, so. And then Netflix come into the being in, and they are like, well, we're just going to name it completely something different. <laughs> but you know, sometimes you can see the process that they went through to name something and you're like, okay, I get that. Other times you're just like, why? She would never know <laughs> why his why. Like, she would never know makes no sense. He confesses <laughs> to her in, like, the first episode. What is she supposed to not know? He tells her the great big secret in the second episode. <laughs> like, at this point, what is left for her to know? It's terrible. Yeah, it's a terrible title. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, that was the Goguma for best alternate titles or lost in translation titles? So the next one is the best use of COVID in 2021, which, I mean, it had to happen, right? And it happened with epic style, and it will come as no surprise if you've been listening to the last 15 <laughs> minutes. Happiness just kills it, literally. <laughs> that I was going to say that, yeah. <laughs> it also be the only use of COVID. Oh, possibly, like, possibly. Every other drama just forgot. <laughs> yeah, every other drama was like, 2020 didn't happen. We're just skipping that whole year. <laughs> it is so jarring to actually watch a drama set in a world where they talk about COVID and th that it happened. And not just that it happened, but people are still living with certain practices, like wearing masks and reminding people to use sanitizer and talking about how difficult it is to maintain things like quarantines and social distancing and all of the stuff that's become such daily vocabulary of our lives in the last two years. We are used to not seeing that on screen, mm. even if it is our everyday life. And then like the first time it sort of, they said it, I just felt like a, <gasps> like something clutched inside me. And I was like, this is too close, too soon, too real. Uh, and then you go on and you're like, I actually feel quite anxious when I'm watching this drama because it's bringing the anxieties of my real life into mm. my on-screen world. But they've used it so, so well. Like the entire premise of the story rests on COVID having happened and it just takes it up to like a thousand because things just get so much worse. Well, that sounds unpleasant. <laughs> well, because, you know, there's this containment in this complex and that containment gets smaller and smaller. Like you start from the city and then they wall off the apartment complex. Then they're locked into their apartment building and then it just like closes in on you and you get more and more sort of claustrophobic in a way that you actually don't have to dwell on too long because the drama is not that long. It's 12 episodes. So, yes, you're feeling a little anxiety, but it's kind of like um, it's less of the sort of stress like less cortisol, more adrenaline, if that makes sense. Mm. So it's definitely something new. And I'm not sure I would watch too many or many more of this 
But I think they did it properly. They did it well. And that was fast, fast turnaround. You could not have written this very long ago. This was a very mm, recently yeah. written show. And the scale, as we talked about in the earlier category, the scale and the scope was just, yeah. yeah. This is a good drama. Even though I haven't finished it, I'm confident <laughs> and scared. And I kind of understand why happiness just got the kind of love it did. Initially, I was like, this is truly a K-drama thing to like fuse apartment complex living with like outbreak of a virus. And then there is some <laughs> kind of like president of apartment politics also going on in there. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, this is what K-dramas do. There's just there's so much like commentary. I mean, it's not even like I don't want to sort of bring it down by saying there's so much social commentary. <laughs> but like this idea that crisis heightens our core personality yeah. traits. Worst and best. It can, it depends on the person, right? Sometimes it's your worst and sometimes it's your best. But whatever is most core to you is amplified in these situations. And, and that's definitely something we've been seeing in the world around us is the sheer the banality of the evil that mm. they give into. But then the incredible goodness of people also who are, you know, facing the same dangers and often worse. And it's just so interesting to see, like it's very human and real in the way that people behave that, you know, in the midst of this world ending epidemic that they've got in happiness, that people are still fighting over trivial idiot things. And you're just like, this is life. This mm -hmm. is absolutely spot on life. And you begin to understand why the drama is titled Happiness, because you've got at the center of it, you know, Han Hyoju, the central character, who's just trying to grab a piece of contentment in the smallest things. Like her joy comes from such small and simple, like what we would describe as humble things. But those are the things that are the hardest to have. Yeah. And those are the things that COVID actually reminded us to Cherish. not take for granted yeah. anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Very good category, Saya. <laughs> I slipped this in after we finished talking about it. And I was like, I, I don't know if they're going to be okay with this. I'm just going to put it in there. And that was the Koguma for the best use of COVID. Should we go on to the next one? Yes. Let's go on to the next one. So we generally don't do what we consider to be like you know, very traditional categories like best actor, best actress, best drama, because we feel like it's hard to just pick one and that's not as fun. Um, but we had to this year do best use of music and or sound because there were really some shows that stood out in terms of just the sound design, the music, the use of the music. Um, and so we had to talk about those. So what really stood out to you this year in music? So for me, Vincenzo, definitely Ooh, early yes. in the year, the sound was just not Amazing. only was the music so like the OST tracks were so beautiful and so perfect. Um, and so like they were like just hyped you up, you know, in, for whatever emotion that you were feeling yeah. in the scene. But the way that the music was used to accentuate humor and to, you know, sort of <laughs> change the tone of the scene completely and make you and like mm. put you where the director wanted you to be exactly emotionally was so skillfully done. Mm. Um, Agree. I just, Agree. Oh, just so, I'm just so, remembering so the Vincenzo shower scene. Right. The yeah. shower scene lives in my memory. I think about it like every few days. Just the sputtering shower. Every time you have a shower. Right? Yeah. And then the, the music sputtering at the same time. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, the courtroom music was great as well. Yeah. Or that like that extremely epic, like I think it was like an aria <laughs> the or something. one. Yeah. yeah. That would happen at like the most ridiculous <laughs> moments. And I would be like yeah. unable to breathe from laughing so hard. <laughs> 
Yeah, Vincenzo was a drama that when I was watching it, I just felt sad that I was watching it alone because this is humor that needs to be shared. Like, why is no one else witnessing this greatness? Because everybody else had already watched it. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Silence, wench. Yeah. <laughs> we told you. <laughs> Excuse me. I started watching it before both of you. Uh... And I finished it like... 10 months later, yes. But so worth it, no? I don't know what point you're trying to prove. <laughs> but yes, yes. I do feel sad for, because I did watch it with my sister and that like, it enhanced the experience so much just to have somebody sitting next to you that you're laughing with. It makes it funnier when you're watching it with people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm sorry that you had to watch it alone. Yeah, funny things are funnier in company. That's true. Yes, they Even are. Even unfunny things are funnier in company. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think Forma, you should do the next one. Thank you. And the next one is Yumi Cells because, oh my God, what perfect soundscape, what perfect original soundtrack. And I think Like a Star is just like this earworm that will not leave my head for maybe another year. It just randomly starts playing in my head. There are so many <laughs> so, good songs. So many. I think Night Falling, oh, Night Falling by so John Park is probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. That's because I'm weak for John Park's voice, though. Partly. <laughs> His voice is amazing. Yeah, we we actually, Anissa, is creating <laughs> a proper OST list for like everything that we loved this year. And I think the entirety of UV Cells is going to be in it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yes. <laughs> Why not? It's very likely. Yeah, um, yeah I'm going to make a Spotify playlist and share it sometime in the next few days, like before the end of December. Well, when this episode goes up, it will be live, right? Yes, it will be out. Yeah, we will link to that in the description as well for you to check it out. Yes. And tell us about Idol. Idol has such good music. Idol, the crew. Yeah. So like, it's a story about an idol group. Um, and it has two main idol groups in the drama whose music you mm-hmm. get to hear. And I think one of the reasons that it works so well is because the music, you know, like sometimes there's a show where there's like a song and it plays a really big part of the story. But then you listen to the song and you're like, this isn't really a very good song. (laughs) And it like takes you out of the world a little bit because you're like, wait, if this was really happening, like the music needs to be at a quality level where it's believable that people would be this invested in this particular song. And that they believe that it's going to be number one, for example, right? And so I don't know if the music was quite at like shut up flower boy band levels, but it was pretty good. It just was like used so well to underscore mm-hmm. like character mm-hmm. moments in the drama, much like uh, me saying, you know, like there were certain beats that worked so well. And like even the way they placed performances, there's a certain part in the drama where like each of the characters of the five main uh, women who are part of this group called Cotton Candy, they kind of have their own moment to like sing a song that kind of represents them. And that was done so well. Um, so many examples. I don't want to like go on and on about it, but I just thought it was really, really well done. Forma, did you have anything to add? No, not, not Idol the Coup because I haven't finished, but I agree with everything you're saying. <laughs> um I do remember <laughs> a very specific track from Run On, which is our next contender, which Anissa is just like, she's the best one to talk about the music in this. But I, I just want to put Run To You was probably my favorite track. It was just, it killed me every time it started playing in the drama. It just worked so well and it was so mellow and it just like sunk into my heart. Just as soon as those like first few bars would drop, yeah. it just gave you this feeling, right? Like you just, oh, oh yeah. Like it primes you, right? For what's yeah. to come. Run On is so good. I mean, we, 
I was re-listening to our spoiled yak on Run On because we're going to release it on the feed as a podcast episode too, which was, it was a live stream that we did back in February. Wow. <laughs> yes, I know. I uh, I know. I was like March, April, but it was Valentine's Day. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it's like, there's specific moments in that drama. And I'm thinking right now of like the end of episode six when um, they're in the car and there's that moment between them, which is like almost like a confession, but it's, oh. uh, and then the music hits and then like that song... Oh. Oh, I can't remember the name of the song. Is it Starlight? But it's sorry. Ooh, uh, Smile? It, be... it starts with an S. Sorry. I think it was sorry. Maybe it's sorry. I, th- I think it was sorry, yeah. But anyway. Yeah, what your perfect timing is what we are getting at. Just so perfect. Yes. It wasn't just that it was really a great soundtrack, which it was, but like we said with the other dramas as well, it was used really well. And and on that note, also, we cannot forget DP, which had an incredible score, amazing music, like devastatingly used, oh. in my opinion. And even like the sound design, you know, there are certain moments where there's no music and the way that they have shaped the sound for these scenes adds so much to like the atmosphere and the emotion. And just like, honestly, this drama was haunting. I was thinking about it for days afterwards and I'm not going to spoil it, but that last sound that you hear at the end of episode six, it just left me like speechless, honestly. Yeah, agree. It had the best use of pauses, like just knew exactly where silence was the best music Mm -hmm. to use. And that was just so epic. Yes. Which actually brings me to a final contender, which is the silence C again. The silences and the pauses, just the quietness. I don't actually know if Silency has any soundtrack whatsoever. Oh, that's bold. <laughs> because the music itself is not what's important. I mean, it might. I'm, it has an intro music, so I guess. But it doesn't really have music music, but it just does. Like a score. Like it has. it's not really scored with music, you mean? It's not really scored with music, but what it has is like... it. I mean, there is a background, like a mellow thing that's playing, but it's... It's not the music that stands out. What stands out is just the quietness, just the prolonged, almost like agonizing quietness of space and of just the environment. And it's just like you really feel the lack of people around you. Like it's vast and it's empty and the soundscape really, really impresses that upon you. So I I just thought that was an excellent use of, well, whatever you use to create soundscape. <laughs> well, with a title like that, it had to do that mm, part, right? That's, that's right? a good point. Yeah. So, if you had to choose, what would you choose oh. out of this? I'm just going to adjudicate this vote. <laughs> I, I think for me, it's a tie between like um, Raron and Yumi Cells. Oh, interesting. For me, it's a tie between Vincenzo ah. and DP. <laughs> oh, interesting. So, there's no adjudicating. <laughs> we picked different dramas completely. <laughs> So I guess that's our stalemate for best use of music and or sound. <laughs> I like how we're so democratic with these awards. Right. Everybody's a winner. <laughs> Participation. Until they're losers. <laughs> well, that brings us to the drama that was worth every minute. And and there were a lot of minutes in, in these dramas. There, there were, were many so minutes, many minutes. So oh many my minutes. God. At the top contender. <laughs> so let's 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 talk a little bit about which dramas ran over long. Yes. Because what instantly comes to mind for me is Hospital Playlist and Mr. Queen and, of course, Vincenzo. Was there anything else? Um, I think the Racket Boys episodes were an hour and 20 minutes. At least the first one was. I don't know. I didn't watch any more than that (laughs) because I was bored out of my mind. 
Sorry for people who love Rocket Boys. Um, was nevertheless longer than an hour. I don't remember, but it didn't feel longer than an hour. So I'm just okay. I don't. Okay, I don't yeah. know. See, that's the magic, isn't it? Did it feel long? So Idol the <laughs> Coup was the first few episodes were an hour and twenty minutes. I did not feel that length, mm. or like I kind of knew subconsciously this is longer than an hour, but I was like glued to the screen and I didn't care. Yeah. Mm. For me, that was just hospital playlist. Run on. Also had Ooh, really long yeah, episodes. Yeah. It, did, it, it did. It did. She's it did. I think it was up to like some, some were like okay. 70, 80 minutes. Yes. I know this because I recapped it. Oh. <laughs> and that's every minute past 60 is painful when you're recapping. Yeah, it's so true. 70 minutes I still count as acceptable. Once it passes that mark, then you're like, Either you've got to be good enough or you've got to be shorter. Or you've got to be hospital playlist, in which case you're allowed. <laughs> so I guess we know what Borma's pick yeah. is for the drama that was worth the length the most. Yeah. I don't agree, but... <laughs> yeah, we, we know. We already, we already <laughs> argued about that. So we're not going to re... We're not going to relitigate that. For me, it's probably Vincenzo and Run On. Mm. I'm going to give it to Vincenzo. That's the one that really... It wasn't even that I didn't feel the minutes passing. It's that I wanted more minutes after they passed. And it was like each episode was like a self-contained movie that was exactly as long as it needed to be, Mm -hmm. which is like incredibly impressive. Yeah. But it also wasn't it wasn't a show that when you finished the episode, you didn't feel like you wanted to go back Mm. to it. You still wanted to come back to it. Yes. And I found with a lot of shows that I watched this year, or at least that I started this year, that I just kind of forgot about them. I thought I would watch them, and then I just didn't. And the show that kind of makes you forget about it, that's something to be said about that show, right? Yeah. Vincenzo, though. I have to admit, I did pause that. Like, it was about, I think, four episodes in, and then I left it for several months because, I don't know, stuff happened. Maybe it was Ramadan, and I just got busy. Then when I came back to it, I just was... (laughs) Like, I was in Vincenzo land for a couple of weeks Mm, just watching Vincenzo. And it was so good. So that was the one that was worth every minute for me. Yes. Not for <laughs> and for me <laughs> I, I enjoyed Vincenzo and I didn't feel the length um, that much at all but like to be fair Vincenzo is one of those dramas where at the end of an episode I was good to leave it for then and like I was happy to like space out my viewing but with Hospital Tales despite being longer probably the longest <laughs> drama in terms of runtime yeah I think it was there was one episode that was almost two hours I think oh my god yeah which is I think the fi- finale episode I think just looking at that kind of runtime makes me angry I'm like why are you taking two hours to tell the because story because they're basically they're basic they released one episode a week guys it was essentially like just putting two episodes in one they should have just split it up into probably, two probably <laughs> but my point is that I didn't feel exhausted at the end of it I felt like like nicely satisfied mm-hmm. and looked really forward to the next um, episode so I wasn't in that thing where I like a few episodes later I was taking weeks of breaks to come back to it which I did with mm-hmm. Vincenzo I, I took a break after I think episode I think six, I did seven. that with Mr. Queen yeah me too I, I did yeah. that with Mr. Uh, Queen too I think after episode like and I still haven't finished <laughs> Mr. Queen this is a long break <laughs> I'm still at episode 8 <laughs> <laughs> it's 20 episodes it's so long it's okay you only need to watch 19 <laughs> okay. Maya. Exactly. oh god and yeah that's one less hour and, and on your when plate. i hear that i'm like do i even want to watch the rest you do you do <laughs> but you, you do, do. You do. the first night these episodes are so good just don't yeah okay well it's on the plate for 2022 all right so that was what every minute 
The next category is science. <laughs> these are, all of these ones are mine. <laughs> I also would like to say, like, this is science category, but I did come up with the title. And I don't do that often, so I'm just proud of myself. I'm proud of you too. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very, very just title. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, this Koguma is for the justest vigilante. And as we discussed, there were so many vigilantes and there was a lot of justice being dispensed by them. So we've got quite a few mm. contenders for this and I think we've each picked a different winner. So we're not going to spend too long on it because we've talked about the category in general. So for me, the just one clear winner on this is Taxi Driver. That was like vigilante justice through and through. And it was just such a fulfilling revenge. Like it was all about the revenge and about relieving your feelings of injustice through carrying out your vigilante justice. Mm. For me, it was the the Gumga family, the Gumga Plaza family from Vincenzo. That whole group, like by the end, you know, when they've become like this vigilante, like this little mini army. <laughs> the extension of the family. <laughs> exactly. It's like a new family of vigilantes. Um, but I also yeah. haven't watch taxi driver so i feel like perhaps my opinion is not as well-rounded opinions don't need to be yeah exactly subjective <laughs> i have watched taxi driver and i quite enjoyed it but i thought it was like way too well organized in terms of like vigilante justice this was like batman not vigilante enough. situation <laughs> yeah i mean batman is kind of the vigilante i don't know why that disqualifies <laughs> yes, them but what i mean is that so Saya said not vigilante enough. I didn't. All I said, it was like too organized. Uh, um, okay. What what I really like uh, about vigilante uh, dramas or, or storylines though is when the vigilante doesn't have the backing of any kind of like moneyed people or, or their plans are all dependent on their wit and just luck. And mm -hmm. then they go at it. So the contender for me is probably Wonder Woman. <laughs> Because it's it's just such a laugh, right? And I did not expect it to be like actually really good, but Honey Lee is just epic in there. She's epic and in everything. She's epic she in is. everything. She is so again, good. she's a vigilante in that her arc isn't exactly vigilante in the traditional way of vigilantism. She's a prosecutor, but who has her own vendetta and she comes off as like a bit crooked and then you know she loses her memory and gets swapped and is in the position <laughs> of like this shable family daughter-in-law like, I've been wanting to watch this but I just haven't had time <laughs> she basically just tears the family apart from inside like she she just like makes them explode from inside it just it's it's so fun to watch and it's all honey Lee. So for me, it's the end of that. I mean, if you consider that its original title is like Wonder Woman, that kind of, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. right? Right. <laughs> so does that round out our vigilantes? Yes, I think it does. <laughs> so that was our Justice Vigilante. The next one is the most work smart drama. And like we kind of, I had talked about this at the top, so there's no need to go into it again, but it's just the drama that we felt was like smartest about work and that was best at portraying what it's like to be at work and to be a working person. And some of our category contenders were Imitation, Idol, The Coup, Run On, Hospital Playlist, and DP. And you get to pick the winner. Which one was the absolute best? Uh, you know, yesterday I would have said Run On, but I think today my answer is actually Idol, The Coup, now that I finished Aww. it. That's so interesting. Just the way that it kind of goes so deeply into like all the pieces of the experience of being a K-pop idol mm -hmm. from the perspective of a group that has failed and who's 
maybe I shouldn't say this is a bit of a spoiler, but like it doesn't follow the classic trajectory of an idol group that's trying to be successful. There's like more going on here. You know, there's more about these women's personal journeys related to like what they've been through and their dreams and, you know, what they haven't been able to do and what they want to do. And then there's also like the themes about giving up versus continuing on even in the face of like really difficult obstacles. And then there's like the whole thing with like how the media operates and how that interacts with the K-pop industry and the agency structure. And it's just really, really, really good. Really good. I still feel like Run On was amazing. And Run On does give you a perspective on like more types of work. Mm -hmm. But as like the portrayal of one kind of work, I think Idol the Coup did a better job and a more like thorough job. Mm Again, makes so much sense with that writer. Yes, yeah. I mean, who is surprised? It's the Misang writer. <laughs> Literally, if we had this podcast in 2014, I would have given all the rewards to Misang for this one. <laughs> it would have been a very boring year because I would have just been like, Misang for every category. <laughs> Sci-fi, fantasy, <laughs> most ambitious, all of them. Spy, shot in a foreign location, all of them. Oh, that's yes, so true. all of them. <laughs> Does that conclude oh. that part then? Yeah, that could, well, I mean, nobody else gave their opinion. I don't want to just dominate this category. I, I think we have definitely talked about this properly during our trend discussion. And it's not like we didn't know how these function, but it's something else to have these stories set in a part of the world like that takes up so much man hours, you know, in your life. And just to have these stories set there and then to make it really chewy and like really interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. That's a feat. And all of them accomplished it. And there was, uh, I think, a word that I hadn't brought up before is authenticity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. these dramas, especially imitation was completely peopled, not only by people who are currently hot in the idol world, which is how casting usually works. They'll cast someone who's currently hot. It was also Mm -hmm. cast um, using people who have gone through very difficult times in the past as idols, some of them who have disbanded from their groups, some of them who are like older sunbays of like first generation groups who came back to play roles like, you know, like Danny Ahn playing the CEO of Imitation's Three Main Girls, the Tea Party, their CEO. He has his own journey with K-pop that made it extremely meaningful that he played that CEO. So that yeah. extra layer of like knowing and the same thing with Idol the Coup, like if you know Hani's story about how she was from this group that was pretty much ignored until they had this one song that went viral. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, they were kind of struggling in obscurity. And humiliated. And like, just... Yes. So just to have those people who have that real world experience and that real world like the pathos is so real because you know that these people actually experience those feelings. Mm. Like it just adds this other layer of authenticity. And this is how you use meta. Yes. Best yeah. use of meta, like on a totally different. I mean, I can't even say that because I don't want to spoil that for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there. Yes. <laughs> but it just makes me think of a movie that just came out that was like the best use of meta that I've ever seen in my life. Okay. Okay. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. But I'm not going to mention its name. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> then it's fine. <laughs> okay. I don't want to spoil it for you. Okay. Do you have anything else to add? Yeah. About hospital playlists. This is something that I learned way after it wrapped up. They spent about four years properly researching the medical procedures that are going to be shown oh, in wow. production. Here's the thing. I never expect doctor dramas <laughs> to be very realistic. But I kept reading over and over 
how like from different professionals in the medical field, uh, technical professionals, but how they're surprised at how real this stuff is. It actually feels like an actual hospital. Oh. The procedures are so realistic. Yeah. Right. One of my friends uh, was talking about how the chest compressions are exactly right. And yeah, mm. and like in the details, it got everything perfectly right. Yeah, so like everything, not just chest compressions. Exactly. And once season two wrapped up, I went in and started watching behind the scene interviews, especially of the director. And that's where I learned that director Shin Bonho and uh, writer Ewu Jung had spent years researching this stuff before they even thought to create a drama because they were tired of just shoddy portrayals of the medical field and they decided mm. that if they were going to set a story in the medical world they are going to be as true to life as possible. Now of course there is fictionalization. We have talked about some of this stuff in the long yak problems that I had with some of the smaller story arcs but the technical details were so well researched and it really showed and I am I'm, I'm just so appreciative of that yeah and it's not what it is right mm. like it's, it adds that level of authenticity that like even if you aren't a doctor or a medical student it comes through that they paid attention to those details you yeah. can feel that in a way that like you don't feel it with like so many other <laughs> medical dramas they're just so like many. This is ridiculous <laughs> nearly every. How is this even? yeah exactly yeah. so yeah I, I agree and and I think like that also so makes me think of DP, which like after I finished, I was thinking about the fact that like they don't actually obviously this drama was not created in collaboration with the Korean military. Yeah. <laughs> um, but usually anytime there's any sort of depiction of the military on television or in movies, like we've talked about this before, if you want them to allow you to use their locations and their equipment, you have to mm. let them vet the script. Yeah. And the way yeah. that they filmed it, they just recreated whatever sets they needed in a way that like they wouldn't have to do that. And so they were they were completely independent from any type of interference from the military, mm. which was like what made it so authentic and so smart and so realistic and so devastating. Mm. Controversial too, because it just started conversations they did not want the government and the military did not want people to be I mean, having. I'm sure people have been having those conversations for a long time, right? But to have it put on this kind of platform. Yeah, this is not a drama that would have made it to TV. But you know what I mean? Like, there are like groups of people who are concerned and who want to talk about something. And then you have something massively popular happening on television. And then people who were indifferent before and didn't know enough suddenly start talking about it. That's what they want yeah. you not to do <laughs> because there's a difference between intellectually knowing that something is happening versus like seeing a portrayal of it that is done in such an emotionally affecting yeah. way especially at times like these where the conversation about mandatory military recruitment and also the way it weirdly affects gender conversations like gender discrimination conversations where you have a lot of people saying like why is it just the men even women saying why is it just the men because it has this absurd effect on how younger generation of men uh, see this as like a privilege that women have, that you don't lose 18 months of your life to mandatory military. Uh, because they don't get compensated. They don't get paid. Don't they get a stipend? They, do, they get paid, but it's yeah. not like, it doesn't make up for, yeah. Well, you know, I'm sorry. Enough. Yes, you're right. Yeah. They, they get paid, but it's like a pittance. It's not even something that your family can quite live on while you're not working. So it's just but tokenism. But if your family is dependent on you financially, then you also are exempt from military service. True. But that's, again, 
most people don't have like families completely reliant on them most people's income helps family to stay in at a certain lifestyle level and suddenly when that income goes it hurts the family it's just such a murky conversation anyway so yeah very apt drama so glad they made it and is that it for this yeah i think so i don't know if i can well, I guess I did pick a winner. Do you have a winner? I guess it's hospital playlist. No, it's not. I honestly I don't have a winner here because I I don't know if you can do better than DP. It, I think it's okay if I have to pick probably <laughs> a tie between hospital playlist and DP, but also kind of idol the coup because, like I said before, I really looked forward to the next idol drama where you show the inner working of the idol world. I just didn't expect them to do this. So honestly, hard for me to pick in this Mm. list. It's hard for me to pick as well. So that's the most work smart drama. Dramas. (laughs) Dramas, yes. (laughs) The most work smart dramas. I feel like we're doing this all wrong, that we're meant to pick one and we're just like, we're not going to pick one. We're just going to give you all of our bests. (laughs) Awards are fictional and subjective anyway, Saya. It doesn't matter. This is our awards. Exactly. We make our own rules. So the next small yak that we're handing out. No, we're handing out sweet potatoes. The next sweet potato we're handing out (laughs) is for the squishiest drama. And this is for the drama that just made you feel warm and happy and squishy and just nice and cuddly. There's actually quite a few of these, but I've only watched one of them. So I'm going to let you guys take this away. What are your contenders for this? category. Barma, you go first. Okay. So I think my strongest contenders are, um, (laughs) actually, I don't, I think all of them. (laughs) You're like, let me have all of my squishies. Yes. Yeah. Like you don't pick one stuffed animal. You just love all of them equally. You're actually talking to the person who doesn't like stuffed animals. (laughs) If my sister was here, she would understand. (laughs) I have Two really fluffy, cuddly dogs and three cats. I I do not need stuff. stuff (laughs) I like squishy things, though. (laughs) The real life. So our contenders, exactly. Our contenders are Hello Me, True Beauty, Imitation, Idol, The Cool, Hometown Cha Cha Cha, and Yumi Cells. Now I know Hometown Cha 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 will get some pushback. (laughs) So I just want to quickly. Did you just put this in now? I did. I did. I did. Sneaky. Uh, so I, I just want, want to quickly defend it. It's not so much the main pairing that's squishy about Hometown Cha Cha Cha. It's just the whole, the setup, the fishing town setup, the the sort of idyllic, small you know, like town, small town yeah. vibe. And, and the cast of characters who are honestly more interesting than the main characters. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. And the townspeople's stories were also just really interesting that were happening in the background. And they made me feel so warm because they were friends despite fighting and they wanted the best for each other, even though their opinions, you know, differed. And it was just, it was, again, gave you that warm feeling inside. So I think it totally fits the category. Anisa? Yeah, I'm at a loss as to how to pick between these dramas because all of them at certain points made me feel so warm and happy inside. And this was a year where like we really needed that. So yeah. I don't know. Agreed. I'm I'm just I'm just so happy that all of these dramas happened this I'm year. I'm gonna throw in a vote for True Beauty because I think it was the only squishy <laughs> drama I watched this year. I got most of my comfort from dark dramas. <laughs> detectives hunting down bad people. <laughs> Maybe. Scruffy detectives. Yes. Sorry. Um I'm just gonna say like a quick line about each one hello me the heart of that was the relationship between 
the older Ohani and the younger Ohani, who were both played to perfection by Chekangi and Ire, who were both amazing. So that was like a whole squishy ball of tears and happiness. Um, and then with True Beauty, like Moon oh, Ga so good. Moon Young was just oh. so lovely. She was just so good. Like everybody else was good too. She was so perfect. She cost. was yeah, she was perfect. Her little like <laughs> like that little growl that she did. Oh, trying to like watch that over and over. Like she was cute without being cringy. And then you had like sad boy hanging up on the side <laughs> with his hopeless totally crush. stealing the thunder from the main lead. Like totally, totally yeah, swapping boy. out the second lead. <laughs> He he was a sad boy, but he was a sad boy with clear privileges. True. Whereas Wong and Up is, was is just like a nice middle boy. class boy with like too the, nice. He was a Let's nice boy. Just... Let's be clear. The only sadness I cared about was Wong and Yup's. I did not oh. care about China's sad boy problems. I mean, <laughs> a little bit, but it just paled I mean, in comparison. It was, it, it was cute, but I just think it was so unfair. To Chaunu to put Huang up in the same drama. Yeah. They should have Chaunu. cast them the other way around. They should not have done that to Chaunu. I feel sorry yeah. for Chaunu too. And then Imitation, like the love story was just the cutest thing. It was, ever. It was, so, it was cute. so cute. It was just adorable. <laughs> and with Idol the Koo, just the relationship between the five main members of Cotton mm. Candy. Every yeah. time they would like get together in that group hug, I would just be like, uh, oh. I know I'm getting all the feels. I know. I know exactly what you mean. And also, I, I just want to point out that it was so awesome that they focused on the girl group in this storyline because I don't think like even though Imitation, the underdogs were was a girl group and they were growing, yes. But somehow the girl dynamic there wasn't like explored as well as obviously Idol the Koo did. It was just... It was so yeah. well explored. And there was a lot of focus given to the boy group mm. in um, Imitation. Imitation, yeah. And even though there was also a boy group in Idol the Coup, A, there was no romance. So we didn't take up like endless top parts of the screen time with the romance. Yeah. But they also, it was very obviously the story of these five women. And the yeah. boy group was there and they had their <laughs> own stuff going on. But they were very obviously secondary. Yeah. Um, I don't feel the same way you do about hometown cha 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 although i agree that the village people were very interesting more interesting than the main uh couple but yeah yumi sells so many feelings just, just so many feelings. i mean it, it, it everything about it every character there every interaction it, it was just like the most perfectly crafted i i don't just just winter watch and it was okay fine they released it in autumn but whatever you know like it, it's just the kind of thing that you watch and you're like oh and you want to wrap yourself in like something warm and like i don't know have s'mores or something <laughs> i do find it slightly less squishy than the other dramas on this show just because i feel like it was awkward and uncomfortable at times in ways that really worked well and were amazingly well done but it was like i don't know i feel like the awkward moments sometimes made it less oh, squishy but, that's exactly but in the end, why i yeah. found it so squishy because of the awkward moments i know exactly what you mean it like really broke the overall like for instance what true beauty had it went from like one high point to another pretty much but yumi says often just put a break on that and would just be like here spend the next 10 minutes all anxious <laughs> it breaks that illusion of the romantic fantasy that mm. so many dramas that have a romance do, it doesn't yeah. allow you to fall into that fantasy, which is what makes it so good. Yeah. But at the same time, like it's less 
pink overall. <laughs> you know what I mean? I agree. Which is not a bad thing because I love when the romantic bubble is pierced. I'm not like a super squishy romantic person. And when dramas lean too hard into that, I'm just like, oh, this is too cringy for me. <laughs> so I'm not saying that it's like a downside for you, Cells. Just that there's that. Yeah. But I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So I think that rounds it off in a very fluffy, round <laughs> way for squishiest drama. <laughs> okay, next up. Next, I will go down with the ship. <laughs> That's the yes. name of the award. <laughs> All of the ships. (laughs) All of the ships. All of the ships. Which ships are you going down with? So, Anissa, you want to start? Yeah. For me, it's run on. And I think there's two in there. Two for the price (laughs) of one. Yeah. But both of them equally close to my heart. And for me, it's Dali and Gamstang or Dali and the Cocky Prince. Because we just did our uh, long yak and I think I went on for like 15 minutes about how much (laughs) I love this drama. Um, the main pair was just everything I want from a romance couple. Like the story has all of the tropes that romances, K-drama romances do. However, they also subvert all of the more annoying tropes. Like you think they are going down that line, but then they come back and they are like, no, we are not. We are just not going to do that, but we are going to call out that trope. So they do that. And I love it because it's just so organic. And the chemistry between Park Young and Kim and Jae is just... Excellent. It was excellent. So yes, I will go down with that ship. <laughs> For me, so Run On was basically all about communication, right? Like that was the foundational theme of the drama. It was, you know, the communication between the two leads and how they could not communicate in the beginning and how they started to learn, you know, sort of how each other's brains worked and how their outlook on the world was and and what worked when they talked to each other and what caused problems and how they slowly learned each other. And it wasn't just about them being like, I like you. I like you back. We're going to live happily ever after. Let's kiss. It was like, <laughs> hey, I have feelings for you, but this is hard. Like, you're hurting my feelings when you do that. Like, why are you doing that? Right. And then like them figuring out kind of what makes each other tick and deciding that like, even if it's a little bit difficult you care about that person enough to like work on the relationship and make it work. And like, what is more romantic than communication? Mm-hmm. Nothing in my book. Um, and then even with the second lead couple, they were also extremely honest with each other from day one until, you know, the ending. So yeah, for me, that communication was what like really raised because my continuous frustration with K-drama romances um, is when miscommunication stands in for actual mm-hmm. conflict. Yeah, And here you had communication and the conflict that you still have, even if you're talking to each other, sometimes you don't quite mm-hmm. get on the same page. So I really liked that. Yeah, because the conflict was more about who they were as people instead of just like some external evil coming and separating them. And it just, right. Yeah, we're so tired of that. <laughs> so that was I'll go down with the ship. Saya did not have a contender. <laughs> you know, the one, the one romance drama I watched this year was not this year's drama. And that was Doctors. Mm. And I will go down with that ship. I do not care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've already gone down with that ship. Oh, that was a strong ship. I'd give you that. It's also a ship that many have been, you know, sinking. I still need to watch that. <laughs> I think especially since like my Kim Rae-Wan feelings have been reawakened because of Luca and then like disappointed. Maybe I need to go watch Doctors now. Finally. Yes. Yeah, I think you'll really like Kim Rae-Wan there. Like, that's a really light Kim Rae-Wan. I like Kim Rae-Wan <laughs> everywhere. He's good when he's dark. He's good when he's, like, happy. He can do it all. He's just so great in Doctors. Like, his laugh in Doctors is just, it's really memorable. Yeah. 
I think I've derailed like six episodes every time I yeah. start talking no, 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 about doctors. <laughs> so I won't go there, but maybe one day we can do like a, a wild or spoiled yak on it. That is overdue. Okay, so that was I'll go down with this ship. And next, Sai, you want to take this? <laughs> so now that we've gone down with all of our ships, we are now going to come back up for the dramas that were a game of two halves with a fantastic first and a stupid second. <laughs> and speaking of Kim Ruan. <laughs> Oh, Luca, 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 Luca. (sighs) What shall we say about you, Luca? So basically, it's a 12-episode show. If you've watched this drama, or if you are watching this drama, stop at episode 8. It starts off so strong, despite Idahi being hit in the head far too many times for survival. Oh Um, my god, just in the first four episodes. (laughs) I thought there was going to be a twist and she was also going to be superhuman. So I was like, how are you still alive? She's thrown everywhere. She's punched. She's hit on the head. I mean, the woman, how is she alive? Do you remember that like earlier when this first aired, I did like a a literal head count of like how many times she got in the head in two episodes. (laughs) I tried to carry on. But it was just too many. This is a woman who never <laughs> dies. Like, well, and she just keeps getting up. She'll she'll have been like, you know, smashed against the wall and like hurled across the room and everything happened to her. And she's practically indestructible, which is kind of funny because that is actually what Kim Rowan is in Luca. So here, here's the thing. If this show wasn't about one superhuman character... Like, if, if that had not been, like, the glaring thing in the story, then either he being a, a kind of a superhuman cop would have been just fine. A lot of stories have, like, Rambo-like characters, right? We wouldn't have been, like, <laughs> we would have been, like, oh, badass female fighter. She's actually but, great as a fighter, which we'll talk about later. She's great. Oh, my God. Her fight scenes are, yeah. fight scenes are excellent. Yeah. But because... Kim Rewan's character is supposed to be special here when you also put in Ida, he was a normal human. So so here's the thing. It was all done so well. So they had, like, Ida yeah. was the foil to Kim Rewan's superhumanness. She was super actually human. human. Not like, <laughs> yeah, as in, like, she was yeah. human, human in a, like, an ultra-human kind of way. She was so human. Yeah. And he was so something else. And yet it was mm. this partnership that began in quite a reluctant way and then it became a working relationship like they had to build their trust then there was the bigger story of you know what was actually happening to him what was he running from what was he experiencing and what was she trying to discover about him there was such good material there and it all built up in this amazing way where they had gone from being these adversaries to being so close and to having a relationship where you know she was the only person in the world that he trusted and could trust in such a primal way Mm. and then like the way the show discussed that and the way that they dissected these ideas of you know what makes a monster and is he a monster who's responsible for the things that people do and become and how much self-determinism do we actually have there's such good material there like philosophically interpersonally even the scope of the like the visual scope of the show the way the show looked was just so interesting so they had all of that and then in the second it wasn't even the second half it was like the third act of the show Mm. they just 
decided to ignore the story that they'd built up and just yeah. do something different. And like, so this is a thing that I'm really not a fan of that they've begun to do in these short streamer shows, which is ending the show with one of those sort of gasp moments or the shock twist or this thing, which is like a kind of teaser for either because they just want to end it the way, you know, you might end a film with just like that moment where you're like, you know, that sort of jump moment. Yeah. Like the ending of Inception. <laughs> I haven't even watched that, but I imagine so. But also potentially baiting for a second season, which I actually think most of them don't do. I think very few of them are doing that baiting. I think they're just trying to finish with a bang. And I just am not enjoying that. It's one of the things that I have realized I least enjoy about these short format shows. Agreed. <sighs> yeah. So let's talk about Doom. <laughs> let's do that. By which I mean you guys talk about it because I, I dropped it after four episodes. Okay. That so, first half was so good and I haven't finished it. That first half was magnificent so good. in that it it's not even the first half. It was the first Six two and a half episodes. No, first oh, two and really? a half episodes. Oh, okay. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, at this I agree point. with that. It just it set up the concept beautifully. It was because at that point, Mjolmang's that was So Cook's character, you didn't know all of his powers and it was still being shown because every time Park Bae-yong's character started thinking that he was almost human, he would do something completely inhuman mm. and that would shock her and the audience. And that was just such good storytelling. That went on for, like, I would say, episode two and... Okay, actually, you know what? Because there were particularly good twists in episode three and four. So I would say up to episode four. So well done. After which they, in a bit to humanize him, they kind of like make him too human and not, I don't even know, like strange enough for, for, for an entity that is supposed to have lived an eternity. Mm. He was just not strange enough anymore. He was becoming too tropishly K-drama hero. But more importantly, the thing that really sunk this drama was the super difficult dialogues. You could see the characters struggling to emote through how wordy the dialogues were. I mean, they all had nuance Not only and wordy, levels. But they were like so opaque, yeah. you know? Like, I can't think of any other word. Like they were constantly talking in riddles. Yeah. You had to it figure out what baffling. they mean. <laughs> that is not, the, you. I, I mean, I'm not getting information. I'm just getting puzzle <laughs> pieces that don't go anywhere. And it's like. The, yeah. Yeah, it and was, it was okay in the first couple of episodes, because at that point you're still, you want there to be an element of mystery. So it's okay that like these two fantastic actors who are really able to sell however well such an opaque line of dialogue can be sold, they're doing it, right? Um, and they have so much chemistry and you're like waiting for the sh other shoe to drop and you finally understand what's happening. But that shoe never drops and you're just like continuously like, what is going on? Yeah. And then I just gave up. I'm at this point where it's just, it's been dragging for about three or four episodes and I just, I think I'm on, I can't even remember which episode. It's somewhere between t uh, 10 and 12. And it's just not going anywhere. It's going in circles. Like it's spinning its wheels and I, I, I don't know. Should I finish it? So I, I think you should finish it. I really like the ending, uh, to be honest. And we will talk later in another okay. category <laughs> about like <laughs> the latter half of it. But the reason it's in this category is because it's one of those dramas that you just cry at the lost potential mm. because they mm. had the chemistry. They had the perfect cast. Yeah. They actually had a really good production team. The production of this drama was top-notch. What really is weak in this drama is the writing. Mm. The writing is just 
it labors after a point it it kind of forgets itself becomes super self indulgent and that hurts the story and this is especially true of like the the third quarter of the drama it actually gets much better at in the final run but just the third quarter is painful and yeah we will come back to this yeah it'd be less offended if the drama were mediocre all, all the way through the reason why some mm. of these are so egregious is because they start off so strongly and so magically and so compellingly. And with leads that we've been so excited to see sharing exactly. the same air. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. 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 Oh, we can't leave this category without sort of giving an honorable mention for the reverse, which is having a plodding first half, but an actually pretty great payoff in the second half and that is Sisyphus so well done Sisyphus yeah. for making a save out of a bad beginning though we'll pretend the last two minutes didn't happen <laughs> yes pretty much <laughs> Which is, I was gonna say that if anybody really sticks through the middle they'll they'll get to the good part but then you completely ruined oh, it by <laughs> you just have to start yes. watching at that ending scene where you think okay this is where it has to end yes and then just don't let the drama run on anymore you'll be like you you decide the ending point okay <laughs> when you're satisfied <laughs> when it with feels where it's like gone. it's the end yeah just be like that i will just yeah. stop it here and not watch anymore that will be perfect but then fast forward to the end credits because that's when yeah. that song comes back <laughs> what drama are you even talking Sisyphus. about i'm so confused <laughs> okay all right i think it's time for us to move to the next category okay so that's it for the the drama of Two Halves Award, which is great first half and stupid second half. The next one is, we're calling it, we're still doing this, Drama Land, because these were kind of things that we had seen like 10 years ago in dramas and we were hoping not to see anymore. <laughs> but they're showing up. Here we are in 2021. So what were the different dramas for this one? I mean, I've got one winner here, which is Oh Master, which was the most... Oh, why did I even... I just... I don't know why I finished this drama. I thought somehow it would make a save at the end. So this was the long-awaited Yimingi Nana pairing which should have been so good. Hmm. Instead, it was just such a bizarre drama. Like, it felt so old. You had Imingi playing this hot-cold hero, doing this, like, push-pull thing. And then you had hmm. Nana being this just... Whatever he did, she would accept it. And she would be, like, this caring, sweet, understanding. Like, no matter how appalling he was to her, which was incredibly appalling... She would just be like, oh, I understand. And then he would just be inexplicably like he kept changing his mind about whether he was going to be with her or not be with her. And it was just so bizarre. It's just a complete waste Ooh, of a drama. Sounds very uh, like the frustrating part of my name is Kim Samson. <laughs> but it just gets so much worse. I'm going to tell you what happens. This is a spoiler and I don't recommend anybody to watch this drama. So I'm going to tell you. It ends with him dying. Like, come on! Yeah. yeah. He doesn't just yeah. die, he, like, disappears from existence or something. I can't even remember at this point. I speed-watched, like, the last few. Wasn't this supposed to be a rom-com? Like, what was this show? I mean, that will take us into our next category when we get there. But, like, this was just... It, to put it in the bin. Yeah. Happy bean. <laughs> All right. Borma, what's your pick? 
Okay, my pick is most definitely my roommate is Kumiho. I was enjoying it immensely. Even though I could see potential pitfalls, they were skillfully avoiding it more or less. Mostly because till episode 8-ish, the romance hadn't entered the <laughs> picture. And then you had episode 8, 9, 10, where it progressively just got bad. In that you had this ancient being falling in love with this college girl. Yeah, fine. I'm, I'm over that. That's fine. But... The irritating thing is that they set up a situation where he can't control himself, like whenever they're making out or too close to each other and stuff. And in that, he Uh. magically kind of sucks out part of her, I don't know, life force to stay alive. If you have read any vampire romances, (laughs) you would know this trope very well. And the problem is, that is fine. You you create a sense of danger when you create a character with a conflict like that. But two things happen. First thing is that the girl initially is like, I need to stay healthy. I can't keep losing my life force like this. So I'm going to stay away from you. And the guy immediately goes all mopey and sad and he can't stay away from her. So he takes on the guise of her best friend to try to figure out her feelings and kind of like emotionally manipulate her into being with him again. And the girl discovers this and feels bad for him and is like, okay, you know what? It's fine. I'm fine. I'm still healthy. If I start losing weight again, no, 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 listen, if I start losing weight again, I'll just eat more. Okay. We can be together. I'll figure it out. Please don't. And this ancient being who's supposed to be wiser and just supposed to know more because he's lived more. And that is how they had presented him in the first eight episodes is like, yeah. Okay, let's do that because this makes me happy and staying away from you makes me sad. So let's just keep risking your life while I I figure it out. I'll figure it out later. Now, mind you, this guy in the past, like a few hundred years back, had literally sucked out the life of the woman he had fallen in love with before. Doing exactly the same thing. This guy's got a track record. This is a bloody abuser. (laughs) Red flags all over the place. Run away from him. (laughs) Oh my god. So also put that one in the terrible. Please let's do that. Let's do that. Did you have any any say? I mean, I was gonna say a love so beautiful, but now love so beautiful sounds so harmless and cute after listening to four of us. I feel like it doesn't deserve on this list to no, be on this but list. Anissa, you know what? If you had watched a Chinese version of a love so beautiful, like the original version, you would think the Korean version was completely harmless. <laughs> the Chinese version just takes the cake and just like, uh, yeah, yeah. My, I, I've heard, but I just found it really like I guess it's better than other versions of this story you know because it's very similar to like it started with a kiss where Mm -hmm. like the guy is terrible to her and she's just like a puppy following him around and she just loves him no matter how cruel he is to her and in this version instead of being totally cruel to her he just ignores her well that's an improvement and he just keeps and i'm like i guess this is better (laughs) but i still feel really bad um i did finish it because the heroine was like incandescently adorable so cute um and i loved her so much and their best friends were amazing i loved the best friends, but the guy i was like you're a piece of trash i don't know why she likes Go in the you. bin exactly so that was my pick <laughs> so that concludes the dramas we want to put in the bin yes or uh, <laughs> the official title is we're still doing this drama land <laughs> So the next one, this one is kind of me and my mixed bag of drama watching. So did we decide to call this drama with an identity crisis or the most confused? I think we decided to call it uh, identity crisis. That's the one we used. It, it, on. The category doesn't even know what its name is. That's how confused we are by these shows. 
<laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so what happens is, yeah, I mean, K-dramas are famed and do this so well with the genre blending, but sometimes it doesn't work or sometimes they just unintentionally tangent into something else. Like, do they even know where they're going? So I've got a few here and I'm going to go through them really quickly. Of course, O Master I've just spoken about, which is like, thought it was a rom-com and then it became Tragic Mellow. It didn't know what it was. Mm. Time, so the time travel or political mellow, it didn't know. It started off as time travel, ended up being a political melodrama. Uh, Police University was great when it was a campus drama, a belly flopping disaster when it tried to be a police thriller. You should have just not done the police thriller part. Um, And Jirisan, which was like mountain ranger slice of life, so good. And then it tried to also do a supernatural murder mystery, which was not so good. And I don't know if there's even winners here. They're all losers. That's not true, actually. Because <laughs> the stuff that the dramas, they did one part well. And it was when they sort of ditched that part or they sort of morphed into a different kind of drama. Then you're just like, this was not the drama I signed up for. Like with Times, I signed up for a time travel drama and it just stopped being a time travel drama halfway. Oh, Master stopped being a rom-com a few episodes in. Police University just should have stuck with being a campus drama. And yeah, yeah Jiri-san should have stuck with being a mountain ranger slice of life. So that's it for the drama with the identity crisis slash most confused drama. And I guess that kind of takes us into the most bizarre treatment of disability in Dramaland in 2021, for yeah. which I have... Two contenders, but I think one clear winner. So Uncanny Counter was at the beginning of the year and that had Jo Byung-gyu playing a kid with a walking disability because he had been in an accident in childhood. And he gains these powers from his transformation into like a counter where he's possessed by the spirit of one of these. It's been so long, I don't remember the mythology exactly, but it gives him supernatural powers. So he's transformed from this kid with a bad leg yeah right he has to use a cane in the beginning of the story and then he you know in five seconds flat he becomes a a high jumping sprinting superhero with really great hair his hair also (laughs) (laughs) but interestingly the uncanny counter kind of redeems the way that it used that transformation right at the very very end. Do you mind if I spoil you? I'm good. I don't watch mind. It. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to okay, watch cool. it. So you can tell me. <laughs> so at the very end, he has a solo showdown with the show's big bad, who is like this demon possessing a bad guy, like the biggest, evilest, strongest demon. And in that moment, he's kind of stripped of his powers. So he actually returns to having his injuries, his uh, disabilities, and he has this great moment where he's like, I'm actually okay with my leg being like this. I'm more comfortable with this disabled leg anyway. And then he takes that demon on. So they kind of allow him to return to his original condition and beat the demon that way. It was kind of, you know, you use that in a very sort of laissez-faire kind of way, but they did bring it back and they did let him acknowledge himself as being complete with his disability. So they didn't take that away from him, even though they gave him those superpowers in the middle. Mm, That's interesting. So that was really well done. But Jiri-san, okay, so 
are you going to watch this? Shall I just tell you? Yeah. So, you know, in episode two, mm-hmm. or maybe it's the end of yeah. episode one, where, like, she rolls in in that wheelchair. Yeah. And then, like, the way that everyone reacts to her, I was like, I'm so uncomfortable. Like, I cannot oh, watch Oh, I don't even know how they reacted to her. They're just like, how could you come back? How can you work with us anymore? They're like, you don't belong here anymore. Literally, only because she's in a wheelchair. And I was like... Mm-hmm. Are you serious? Like, the, what? What? What is happening? I felt like I mean, I know that, that hostility. Like, I know that that's partly because it's like of the physical sort of demands of the job of being a mountain ranger. But to like imply that she can no longer even like be associated with their organization in any way, and that like nothing she knows or can do is useful in any way just because she got hurt is like okay. So uh, like it was so upsetting to me. Anyway, I actually think that wasn't the reason why they said that because otherwise that would have stuck in my mind as well. But the reason was that the accident that they'd been in in the first place was because of their foolhardiness, that they had done something to put everybody in danger. And that was the reason that they were angry with her. So it wasn't because of her disability. because I, And you'll see mm. this later because they don't treat her in a bad way at all afterwards. Well, I, I think I just stopped okay. after I just want to be so, clear that yeah. that was not the reason that they treated her that way. Okay, so okay. So that wasn't the show's sin. <laughs> the show's sin is that... So all of this stuff happens. And, you know, it happens in multiple timelines. Like, they have a past story and they ha- they're actually at several points in the past. And when she's in the wheelchair, that's actually in the, the present timeline of the show. And what happens is... So they solve all of the mysteries and the crimes and all of that. And then as the show closes, she comes back completely healed and able-bodied. Like, there's nothing wrong with her. There's no sign of the wheelchair. Like, there's no explanation for how she becomes this way again. She just magically becomes able-bodied again and climbing to the top of mountains. You know, she was paralyzed from the waist down. There was nothing to indicate that this was some kind of process or anything she just was paralyzed one day and then like however many years later the time skip was she's magically back to 100 percent. and like you know back injuries don't work that way and the dead guy isn't dead anymore and it was just so what was the point yeah and because i thought that they had dealt with her yearning to be on the mountain really really well because you know of course going from being this healthy and able mountain ranger to being bound to certain physical spaces because you're unable to get to them by your wheelchair yes there's a big mental transition to make there and there was also this part of the show where they were like talking about making accessible spaces on the mountain so that for example a wheelchair user could explore certain areas of the mountain that were designed to accommodate them so they had all of that and I was like this is so good and then it ended like that and I was like this is so bad and it was a drama that just didn't let anybody die well I mean also like disabilities oh sorry Uh, this is about Ju Ji-hyun's character who was in a coma and was meant to die and had yeah I understand but I just didn't want anyone to be confused yeah because I know that's not what you were saying but like a lot of stories do this where they're like okay we'll accept people who are disabled and it's okay to be disabled but like not our hero Mm. and heroine it's like a really gross hierarchy of like oh the regular people can I don't know I just I'm not even like saying this clearly or or properly because I I didn't see this it's show like and I don't want to like disability is allowed no, disability can yeah, exist but not in the hero if the hero yeah. and heroine is allowed to empathize and like show how good a person mm-hmm. they are with respect to the disabled person but right the hero but they're and heroine not allowed to be, be permanently disabled yeah so in the end you're just reinforcing mm-hmm. ableist ideas anyway I mean you know? if they hadn't done that yeah. the way that they had treated her disability was actually so 
well done until that point. And they'd Yeah, they just this. like completely erased everything about that from before. And you're like, why did we even go through why? this? And Juji Hoon didn't die. He just suddenly... I mean, like, I'm happy for people to heal from injuries and for people to not die. But yeah. Yeah, I get that. And and I know this is not a physical disability, but I think Anissa would agree. I think mad for each other is a testament to what a drama that starts off portraying psychological issues really well, but then just ends up completely undoing its own arc towards the end oh that was so frustrating so that yeah. that i think also should be in the category of really bizarre treatment no, of disability in the same way you know i was so like we talked about this we were so impressed by you know like the nuanced and sympathetic and smart it almost felt like somebody who had been through it themselves talking about it you know and writing about it and then in the end it just completely undermined all of its ideas about like you know, recognizing that you have a problem and going into treatment for it and the benefits of that and why it's important and like mm. nothing, nothing. Yeah. This all just went to hell. It was so upsetting to me. And also so... like all of it, all of its messaging about police brutality, about being wrong also totally went yeah, out the window. Completely yeah. undone. Well, so, so that's it yeah. for the most bizarre treatment of disability. So the next category is most difficult to finish, but we did finish. <laughs> And of course, my drama, to no one's surprise, is Do Much Service because, as I said, the third quarter was just really, really slow. And that's where I almost dropped the drama. But I powered on because of my love of sewing book. <laughs> of course. So, yeah. so I kind of have a tie. So oh, oh Master, I have spoken about how much I hate it. But I rage watched through the end and I fast forwarded through the last two episodes just to see how one thing panned out and it was completely pointless. I shouldn't have done it. But the other one was Run On, <laughs> which I didn't hate, but I didn't love. And I kind of felt like I should have loved it. And I thought if I got to the end, I would learn to love it better because, you know, Nisa loved it so much. You loved it so much. But I am disappointed with myself that I did not love it. No, it's. Nothing to be disappointed. I know it's not, but you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> guys, guys, should we have a peer pressure category? <laughs> like dramas you've watched because no, that was love. We don't have time for this. <laughs> no, not, not in this one, but maybe in, in part two. Maybe. Maybe. Right. Yeah, it does. I like that. It goes yeah. with the other okay. things. Yeah. Put yeah, it yeah, yeah. in. So, later, later, later. Sorry, go on. On that note, I think mine is a little similar. It was Yumi Cells. So, I absolutely love and died for episodes one through six. Then like around the time when I was starting episode seven, I just got really busy. Uh, you might have heard like about my new job. <laughs> and like there were a lot of <laughs> other things that were happening in my life. So I just like didn't have time. And then I I think it took me four separate occasions of trying to finish episode seven before I've actually succeeded because I found episode seven so incredibly frustrating. And yet I had this experience of having loved the first six episodes. And then mm. meanwhile, like, Orma had already finished it. Yeah. She loved it so much. And I was like, you just have to yeah. watch this. Like, just get through this episode. And so I just like kept forcing myself. And I think like because I was forcing myself instead of just like watching it when yeah. I felt like it. Um, and also because I was feeling the pressure of the year and yeah coming up. It was more unpleasant than it should that have been. It's very similar to my experience of yeah, Rodan. Yeah. And then yeah. I ended up finishing it. I really liked it. I don't think I liked it as much as you did, Forma, but it was very difficult for me to finish. Like I've never had to try that many times. Usually I either just drop it or like I'll just come back to something later and finish it, you know? Yeah. So that's most difficult to finish. The next category is biggest waste of star power. 
Saya. <laughs> well, there, there were a few. Um, the one that makes me the angriest is O Master with Iminggi uh, and Nana. At this point, this is becoming my dead horse to flog. <laughs> um, for me, the biggest waste of star power was possibly um, my roommate is a Komiho. Are they stars though? They're kind of stars. I mean, come on. Isn't, uh, wait, what's her name? Junkie Young and Harry? Harry. Isn't Harry Just a because huge... you don't like Harry doesn't mean she's not a big star. <laughs> oh, she... Okay, I kind of didn't. I she's didn't huge. think of her as a huge star. <laughs> I'm sorry. And and at this point, Junkie Young has become a, a bit of a, you know, household name. It's just, he keeps taking dramas like that. And I think my roommate Isakumiho actually did really well domestically. So I think that is definitely star power at this point. And it was wasted. <laughs> I mean, another one I'd throw in there is Luca, but I'm not sure that the lead pair count as big stars like Kim Rowan and Itahi. So yeah, I, it was a waste of leads, but I'm not sure if it was a, a waste of star power. But the next one would be... <laughs> so we both agree, Saya. Except I'm not sure this is all. Okay, so the next one is Sisyphus, and this is kind of your contribution to this, and that, of course, Park Shine and Chosungu. So I'm not convinced this was a waste. I am. <laughs> I'll put my name down for that. I was so disappointed. Yeah, I mean, that's conclusive. <laughs> um, and the last one is Monthly Magazine Home, which. You know, that one stars Kim Ji-suk and Jung So-min. Um, Jung So-min's pretty... I don't think these are like A-list Hallyu stars or anything, but both of them have like a respectable body of work. They generally do good work. They have a lot of fans. I was really excited for this pairing. And they just... It was just so disappointing. Like, Kim Ji-suk was such a horrible person in every way. And then like the drama was trying to make you feel sympathy for him. But you're like, no, he's just a horrible person. He treats the heroine like crap, literally evicts her from her home in episode one. She ends up working for him. He continues to treat her like garbage as his employee. Like there's no redeeming qualities to this show. It's just (laughs) yeah, like all of my worst expectations when I found out that he was a landlord just like came to fruition because it was like, here's a story about the sadness of gentrification told you from the perspective of the landlord who's making millions of won from it like why would you write that anyway and the other thing is like i was thinking about putting this into the category of um are we still doing this drama land because that part of it did feel very a long time Mm -hmm. ago like the whole uncomfortable dynamic between a boss and employee Mm -hmm. that are eventually going to fall in love and the person like him literally kicking her out of her house but then i was also like this is about gentrification too and that's not something that dramas mm. covered 10 years ago. So, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's the reason that it was such a waste of those two for me. And that's it for that category as well. So the biggest waste of star power down. Yep. And next. So and the next category is best action woman, which there were quite a few this year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited for this category. Right. You know, this is one of the things that we didn't observe at the beginning. But this year was definitely the year of the action heroine mm, there have sure. been multiple and they were done really well they weren't just sort of like butt kicking barbies yeah, they weren't sidekicks they weren't like just the mole on the arm yeah they were main the... character action heroines yeah yeah did you say mole on the arm? <laughs> sorry what <laughs> you were one you know the gangster moles <laughs> i'm so lost right now I, I don't know what you mean but you know i heard mole on the arm <laughs> I mean, okay, I might have mixed up metaphors, but, you know, arm candy, but like gangster moles. Oh, arm candy, okay, (laughs) very different things. It suddenly made sense to me. 
So I think okay. I think and I think Borma, you'll agree that there's just there is one clear winner. But I also want to acknowledge the others. Yeah, absolutely. And so we've got Idahi in Luca, we've got Pakshine in Sisyphus, we've got Han Hyoju in Happiness, we've got Honey Lee in Wonder Woman, and the one clear winner in this is definitely Han Suhi in my name. Anything to add? I, I, I cannot disagree. <laughs> yeah. That is just, that is my feeling. She was spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. Also just love hearing those listed like one after the other. Bam, bam, bam. It's amazing. <laughs> these, these are just extremely talented actors. Yeah. But they were just Like such... physically competent in every... Yes. Like being an action hero was very integral to their characters. Yes, yes it was. It was just part of who they were. And yeah. the story depended on them being really good at that. And it overshadowed whoever the the male lead was in that respect. Actually, yes. In all of these dramas, yeah. um, including Sadly Happiness, <laughs> yeah. the male lead kind of didn't matter. But that's also how the characters were set up. The male lead was yeah. not the lead of Happiness. Han Hyoju mm. was the lead of that. As much as I love Park Young-shik, he was not the lead. As Yumi Cell tells her... You are the only main lead. There is no male lead. That's right. You are the main lead of your own story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Isn't that just perfect? Perfect. Uh, that's our mantra for 2021. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And we will leave it there for the best action women. They were, they were all the best. They were. But of course, Hansi He was the bestest. Next. The next one is the best person pretending to be another person. No, there is no shorter way that we could have expressed that category. <laughs> <laughs> We tried. Yeah, we tried. <laughs> we workshopped this one. So who's vying for this? <laughs> so we have Shin Hye Sun from Mr. Queen playing two or maybe three characters. I still haven't decided. <laughs> we have uh, Pak and Bin in The King's Affection playing the prince, crown prince. We have Han So Hee in My Name, who is has a secret identity, right? I haven't seen the drama mm-hmm. yet. but And then you have Taxi Driver um, in which... It's Iji Hoon, but everyone, can you explain that? Because I didn't watch Taxi Driver. So in Taxi Driver, they've got, you know, we talked about them having an actual full scale operation of, you know, vigilante justice. So the whole company is, it's a revenge gang posing as a taxi company. So they're living their lives as actual taxi drivers in this taxi office. Uh, they've got the whole cover. I see, I see. And okay, underneath okay. it runs everything else. Literally underneath. So they've got the taxi station up above and down below. You've got the whole revenge. Batman cave. Exactly. (laughs) Some layers of uh, deception here. Yes. Very nice. And plus they're running cons in every episode, like with every uh, project they take on. So that's another level of disguise. I don't know if we have a clear winner though. I feel like... Oh no, maybe we do I have a clear like winner. Yes, we the do. Only answer. Yeah, I'm sorry. I um, just yeah. I just saw her and I was like, of course There's we have a no clear winner. There's no other option. Yeah, of course it's Shin Hyesun. Yeah. yeah. Shin Hyesun, yeah. She's just so capable and incredible. I, uh, I'm just looking at this list and I it's a belated realization, but how appropriate is this that Mr. Queen had Shin Hyesun, <laughs> but like possessed by like this male entity like from the future yeah church and, and, and then you have king's <laughs> affection where park yun bin is pretending to be a king so there's like the the gender bender thing yeah it, it was probably like leveled up this yes year. Mm. yes yeah and like because for example in the king's affection pug and bin when she was actually being the king or the prince the prince i guess in, as far mm. as i watched Trump it prince, yeah she was so good when she brought that character up 
and I haven't finished this drama, but I'm just so regretful that they don't let her focus on being this character and they don't allow her to actually take us in with mm. being the crown prince. Because she's well, so I mean, good. with Pac and Ben, you... the problem oh. is never her acting. Her acting is always yeah, top-notch, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And that makes me angry about that drama. <laughs> yeah, but it, the King's Affection would have been a perfect crown clown. Like, if that is the theme they had used. Did you finish King's Affection, by the way? I am almost done. Um, okay. But, it like, the love story does continue to overshadow <laughs> everything. Oh, I'm so annoyed. So, yeah, that... King's affection, yay! So that was um, that was Shin Hye Sun. That was Shin Hye Sun <laughs> yes. winning. Yes. Who is winning everything? Shin Hye Sun <laughs> is the best person pretending to be another person. Always. So next is a quick fire round for actors who've been in more than one drama in 2021, and these are like we all agree they have done an amazing job. The best Jin Young. What uh, the heck which is point B1 I A4? need to say that they are two How different genius with the same B1 name? Oh. Genius group. How can you oh. not know his group? Oh. Oh. Do you even I'm love so, him? I'm sorry. Okay, I, I don't actually, but I'm okay with it. It's okay. I actually really love B1 A4 from my, my former K pop loving days. I deeply enjoyed the strength of this reaction. But yeah, they're two different Jin Youngs. We just had both Jin Youngs uh, on screen at almost the same time, and they both did great so basically you have to pick your Jin Young or the people we're gonna put out in this quick fire round so who wins between B1A4 Jin Young in a police university versus GOT7 Jin Young in Devil Judge Police University B1A4 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah you know I, I, I'm yeah. gonna say B1A4 Jin Young 100% do you want to add anything to that Anissa you were about I was to gonna say like I have never really liked B1A4 Jin Young and his acting before this like he's always just been fine True. for me yeah um, and I have like a visceral reaction to got seven Jin Young that's not really his fault he's just one of those actors that like I don't vibe oh. with on screen you know like you just have oh. those right yeah but this time in police university he like transformed and he was so good like I don't know what he's drinking or eating but like all of a sudden <laughs> he just got so good so yeah. yeah he did well I highly recommend you go and watch The Dude in Me which is a film that he's in with um that actor whose name I cannot remember right now but he's that veteran who's Life on Mars man oh what's his name I don't remember anyway Dude in Me so funny okay so, best Hansohi, nevertheless versus my name. My name. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> That's not even a competition. Um, best Anbahyun, Yumi Sos or my name? Ooh. I'm going to say my name. Oh. Yumi Sos. has to answer because she's watched both. And I've only watched one. Yeah. Yumi Sos. Oh my God, Yumi Sos. Okay, interesting. Uh, I mean, actually, that makes sense. All things considered. <laughs> Which just tells you what his level of performance was in more drama that there is an actual debate yeah he was yeah. so good in Yumi Cells just so good agreed just so good best E Jun Young aka You Kisses Jun Young imitation versus Let Me Be Your Night I haven't watched either of these this is up to you guys imitation 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 I mean I've watched both so <laughs> <laughs> best Octekion Vincenzo versus was it Royal Inspector and Joy I can't remember the name of the drama oh that's this is a good yeah, one. Yeah, sorry, there's no contest here. Vincenzo. Okay, but Burma, haven't aren't you watching both? Oh, I'm torn. Really? You're torn? <laughs> yeah, I I am watching both, and I I kind of really love him and Royal Inspector. He's hilarious. Ah. I mean, he's not deliciously evil like he was yeah. in Vincenzo, but like he only got to do the delicious evilness in the latter half. And he's, he's really just, found his beat, right? In humor. he really has. He really yeah. has. Humor is really his thing. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I've <laughs> yeah. only watched a couple of episodes of Secret Inspector, so, like, mm-hmm. I found him to be funny, but okay, but I guess later on, more things happen, so. Yeah. This reminds, like, you know, sometimes there are actors who just, they need to land on their genre before they are someone you take notice of. Yeah. For him, it's definitely human. I'm not going to talk about using her now. Okay, so best Ijehun, Taxi Driver versus Move to Heaven. I've only watched one, so I can only say Taxi Driver. Same. I've only watched one, but he was good. Farma, have you watched both? <laughs> I have just watched Taxi Driver, so Taxi Driver. Uh, well, I will say, and I don't know if this is the case in Taxi Driver, but in Move to Heaven, he I don't know if the show allowed him or he finally allowed himself to be rough and scruffy and not Ooh. perfect in a way that I've never seen yeah. from him before. He's always very self-contained. He always seems very self-conscious of how he looks and how mm. pretty yeah, he yeah, is. Yeah. And I feel like for the first time, mm. he sort of broke out of that and he did a really oh. good job. So I don't know if you found that in Taxi Driver, but... I, I'm going to call that a win for Move to Heaven then. No, because he's he has that problem, doesn't he? Where he is very aware of the fact that he's acting with a capital yes. A. And like he does that in Signal, he he does yeah. that in Taxi Driver, except for moments. There are moments where he lets himself go. But most of the time, he's too self-conscious. He's too theater. Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder if it's because Move to Heaven was such a physically demanding role mm. and his mm. haircut was so ugly that maybe he was like, I'm going to look bad in this regardless. <laughs> Let's just go for it, you know? Yeah. Like, and he made it look good. <laughs> yeah, I agree with what Boromir said about him being too theater. That is exactly how he acts. He acts very yes, theater. Yes, 100%. I agree too. Oh, this is a good one to end with. Best Sungang, Nevalera versus Nevertheless. I'm going to go with Nevalera because he was yeah. nice and not a jerk. I was going to say, is it the best <laughs> performance or the best person? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's a good one. But even so, I think, oh, you know, now you've made me feel conflicted. I was going to go with Nevalera, but in nevertheless, he totally makes me hate him. And I think that's a talent too. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Okay, conflicted there. Well, that ends our quickfire, and now we can go on to the Busiest Bee Award. And this is an award for basically who's been all over Dramaland this year in the most projects. And this is not an objective award. This is, like, who do you feel like has been everywhere? Jang Kyung. <laughs> I feel like he's been everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would also say Lee Jun because he's been doing, like, the most cameos this year. Like, I'll start watching something. I was like, oh. Ijunyak, you're the king in the role Inspector Joe. <laughs> yeah. And like, oh, Ijunyak, yeah. you're in Our Beloved Summer as like this random coworker. And I know I've seen him somewhere else too. Um, uh, Dark Hole, and I he think did he Dark was Hole in this well. year. Yeah. 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 He has been in a lot of things. True. I actually don't think that I've noticed one person being around a lot. Although the first person who came to mind is Han Suhi. That's more to do with everyone talking about Han Suhi being everywhere. Mm. Not because True. I've necessarily seen but her. But she did do like two major buzzy female lead roles this year which is rare mm-hmm. i think especially for yes. a female actor yeah she had two blockbusters man <laughs> what a year for yeah. her yeah she's had a great year but she's not the only one who's had a great year anisa <laughs> why are you calling me out like this what did i do <laughs> the, the next award. oh yes okay so the next award is uh the an bohyan award for being on bohyan because i feel like Last year, we had the Lee Jun Hyuk Award for being Lee Jun Hyuk. And like, it's just a tradition that we want to carry on. Um, Anissa's carefully saying we, but this is Anissa texting us in the middle of the night saying, I think we need an Anbohyun Award for being Anbohyun. You know, I was looking at his filmography <laughs> and like in the last eight or nine years, he's done at least like an average of two projects a year, sometimes more. Oh, wow. That's 
incredibly prolific. Yeah, and I didn't really notice him until... Like, in her private life, I just found him kind of annoying. And then he did Kairos. Mm -hmm. And I was just, like, stopped in my tracks by how good he was. And, you know, we've Mm -hmm. talked about this before. Completely transforms for every role. And so I just wanted to, like, give him that moment of recognition because he just embodies whatever character he's playing 100% in a way that I think is very rare for actors to do. Mm -hmm. So that's the the Anbohyan Award for being Anbohyan. And the next one is also one about something that I coined. (laughs) Something that you invented. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, coined. Um, <laughs> this is so great. This is the most electric adversarial banwal. If y'all remember, like earlier in the year, I was talking about how like this is a thing that I really enjoy, where like two characters meet and they immediately start talking to each other in banwal or like informal speech, not because they know each other well and they're very close, which is normally how it happens, but because a they're either like instant enemies or there's like some type of situation that causes them to talk to each other informally when they're still strangers. Um, and often at odds with each other. And I just enjoy it a lot. Like, I really love that dynamic. So we made it into a category. <laughs> and for me, that was Luca. Uh, and for me, that was Special Inspector and Joy. Because, so you had the Special Royal Inspector, um, paid by Taekyung, uh, who's this upper-class nobleman who just decided that he doesn't want to get married. He just wants to chill and cook great food and, like, just barely <laughs> do his job. Um, at the palace because he's like super clever and he got in first class so he barely has to struggle through that and he just he just wants to live the chill life and then you have Joy played by Kim Hyun, who we all absolutely love from Extraordinary You playing this village um, this young village wife who is deeply unhappy in her marriage and all she wants is just freedom she she does not her life is all about taking care of her mother-in-law and her completely inept husband who's just it's not it's a really toxic relationship she's in and she has just heard she she figured out that she can get a divorce and even though she understands the social consequences of it she really wants that divorce so she is advocating for herself for the first few episodes, like literally advocating in front of the local magistrate. And she is just the most, She, oh my God, I don't know. I love this woman so much in this drama. It's, it's ridiculous. And so you have Joy meeting the special inspector who's come like on his special inspector mission. She doesn't know who he is. He's pretending to be one of his servants. And the thing is, he's a nobleman, right? Even though he loves, like he has a really good relationship with the two servants who accompany him all the time, he still thinks like a nobleman. So he doesn't really see injustices from their perspective. So when he pretends to be one of his servants and one of his servants is pretending to be him, and that's when Joy meets this troop, she speaks to him in Banmal and like treats him like she would treat this person who's of at the same rank as herself like really casually and he's offended mm. he's like how dare you behave <laughs> like this with me? but I love it because it's it just it's hilarious but it, at the same time it also shows that even though this guy the inspector he's a good guy he's still classist because he's grown up in that sphere and it shows his hypocrisy in how offended he is and when his servants point out that this is our life that you're being offended at. He's like, well, it never happened to me before. Mm. How would I know? I just loved it. And it only happened because this troop met Joy. I just love their relationship. And it continues to be a bit adversarial, even when they start have feelings 
uh, for each other. So I'm just, yeah, totally sold. I, I think it fits the category perfectly. Saya? Oh, I feel a little bit like mine doesn't necessarily fit the category because the adversarial part of their relationship is so brief. It's like literally 10 minutes or something. <laughs> but the relationship that then... Oh, sorry, did I even say the name of the no. drama? So the drama I'm talking about is Happiness. You know, the one with um, Park Hyung-shik and Han Hyo-joon. And they have such a great relationship. There's something about having the freedom that speaking Panmal with each other gives you. But it's not just Panmal, it's also like kind of boy Panmal, you know, if that makes sense. The kind that boys speak to each other rather than the type that mm. would be between yeah. girls. And there's just something very, like, it feels so enjoyable, like more enjoyable because you feel like you're getting right down to the core of how comfortable they are with each other, how well they know each other. And those things are, of course, proxies for how much they care about each other and how much they rely on each other. And so every time they have these exchanges where they're just having this casual shooting of comments at each other or even just the everyday conversations, it makes everything feel so much more meaningful because you can hear the history of their relationship in the way that they speak with each other. So not necessarily adversarial, at least for very long, but it becomes something that I look forward to in every exchange that they have when they speak to each other, like literally every single time. It just makes me happy. Mm. So that's that. <laughs> so that was the most electric adversarial banmal. And now we have the most memorable side character. Anisam, you want to start? Um, so I chose Court Lady Tay, played by Cha Chung-hwa from Mr. Queen, who was just amazing. Like the the subtle and unsubtle shade she was throwing on Janessa, like constantly. <laughs> just like the way that she would walk into the bamboo forest and like scream her frustrations, her weird <laughs> relationship with like the cook, um, all of the times where she went and she like, she found the kaleidoscope accidentally with like the guy inside it and then it became like her stress relief like everything about her I just loved her so much she was so funny but at the same time like you loved her like genuinely and sincerely um yeah mm. I just loved her so much for me it was editor Cha Chuik played by Isu Hyuk and my god when is Isu Hyuk going to be bleeding his major drama <laughs> he really needs to do that quickly <laughs> I know it makes me so sad I'm tired of seeing him as like a second lead or a secondary character do you really think it's gonna happen there at this point I I think it will honestly because the way he kind of took over Doom at your service like when it was at its lowest I kept watching it for Cha Juik. Like, I wanted to see his romance. and just, I wanted to see scenes, like his wry, just sardonic reaction to what everybody else was doing. I just, I, I loved him so much at Doom to Your Service. And I really need to see him as a main lead. He has so much charisma, but he also needs, like, someone who knows how to write a good character for him. Because he needs to be a little bit weird mm -hmm. in order to be good and interesting. He does. I agree. Yeah. I agree. You know, that reminds me that... Doom was also a drama that didn't understand what drama it was because that was two different dramas in one. And yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for me, it's Inzaghi the Pigeon from yes! Vincenzo. I didn't know we that, were allowed to do animals. Legit. But I agree. <laughs> that is legitimate. <laughs> I want to change my pick. I vote for you. <laughs> oh, Inzaghi, such a great character. Like he was a total character. Inzaghi. <laughs> Inzaghi was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that was most memorable side character. 
Um, the next category is another one that I invented for some reason. <laughs> Very inventive. <laughs> I'm inventing a lot of things. I was bored, I guess. I don't know. The pandemic is making me uh, lose my mind. But yeah, uh, so this one is best Chuingong face. Chuingong is main character. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah. So this came to my mind when I was watching Imitation and I saw Lee Jun Young, who had never seen acting. And even when I was like following You Kiss back in the day, he wasn't one of the members that I was like most interested in. I was like, oh, he's there, whatever. Like, But he has so much charisma that when he walks into a room, he just dominates that space. And anytime he's in the frame of the camera, he's the one that you're looking at. And I just was like, oh, he's got doing gong face. <laughs> um, that was like the only way I could think about it. So that's the category and he's the winner. That's mm-hmm. it. There's no other options. <laughs> I, I completely agree. It's true of imitation. It's true of let me be your knight. Even though he looks completely different, you just, I mean, him standing next to the rest of the cast, you know, he's the main character. Mm-hmm. He has it in the same way that like Soenguk has it. Mm. Soenguk also yeah. has that quality. Exactly. But Soenguk's charms are not True. new to us in 2021. So <laughs> he doesn't qualify. <laughs> All right. So that was best main character face. Yeah. The next one is also about faces. Yeah, the next one is the most manhua face, which I coined. Yes. Since we are going, like we're declaring <laughs> yes. our own categories. <laughs> and of course, like this is like the most obvious you have Rowan in The King's Affection and you have Chaonu in True Beauty. And my God, Chaonu look- is my contribution to this. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and both of them are, are just like, they are perfect renditions of their, you know, their, their comic book version. <laughs> they are such, they have such manhwa faces. This is such a perfect category. Can I just tell you about, because I just finished True Beauty yeah. quite recently. So, like, Chonu is just Chonu, like, for most of the drama. But then they have that time skip a little later. Mm. And then he comes back. And suddenly I'm, like, completely taken aback by the... I don't know. He changed. He, like, became this incredibly beautiful creature whose face, like, stunned me to silence. And I was like, is this even the same boy? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was the way they did his hair or something. But, yeah, absolutely the most manual face. I think it's 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 when he grows a little older, right? Yeah. Like when he comes back and he it's a few and he's years. styled a bit differently. I think that's because they finally let him play his age. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah maybe. Because before that they were trying to de-age yeah. him into schoolboy age, and Chaunu no longer looks schoolboyish yeah. that much. So it it was a bit of a struggle for him to play that character, and he's also yeah. bulked up, right? So when he was allowed to play oh. his own age, that's when he actually yeah. looked like a really yeah. handsome man. So, yeah, I get that. I get what you're saying. But yeah, I mean, I mean, again, here, an honorary mention, probably Anboyun would, would fit here because the way they sh- created him in Yumi Cell is like such perfect rendition of, you know, his, his character in Yumi Cell, the, the webtoon. But he doesn't have that manhua face look like you wouldn't see his face if it leaped out of the page and became reality. Whereas Rohan and Chawonu do. <laughs> they look like inspirations for characters drawn on the page. So that's what I we mean, were going tribute, on. I mean, in he, like, Chanu literally was the inspiration for that character, wasn't he? Yeah, he, <laughs> he literally was. Yeah. That's that's true. So that's it for Mist Manhua Face. So then the next category is also True Beauty related and it's most viral moment. And what other moment can we even choose other than Huang Yingup's <laughs> dance in the leopard spotted boxers oh, to Okie Doki so You in, uh, in True Beauty. <laughs> Best moment of the year, honestly. Yeah. So good. Yeah, you, you can't beat that. Agreed. Highly agreed. So that was the most viral moment. 
The next one is the baby who grew the most. The baby who grew the most. <laughs> yes. I, this one is very close to my heart because, you know, I'm constantly talking about Namdaram, who just he's like he keeps growing and he keeps getting bigger. And I think I've said multiple times that I'm just waiting for him to headline a drama. And that kind of finally happened, except it was a web drama rather than yeah. like a, you know, a, a full on TV drama. So he headlined a great shaman Kadushim. Mm. And he's just so big. He grew so much. Yeah, he did. I know. And I think both Anissa and I would nominate Ire. I um, love her. Who, who played the mm. younger version in Hello Me. But yes. she's also, she's just like such a busy actress. <laughs> so I think we first remember her. Like, where, where do I first remember her from? Probably Memories of the Alhambra. Super Daddy Yell. She was in Super Daddy Yell a very long time ago. Okay, I did. I did not watch that. Dreadful drama. Yes, I remember that. That was the first time I ever read your writing. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, it was a terrible drama. But she was but so she was good adorable. in it. Yeah. Yes, yes. She was nine yeah. in that but drama. But my, my, my clearest memory of her is from Startup. Oh, wow. Oh, was she in that, that? That's young. Yeah, she was a younger mm-hmm. version of uh, Susie. Oh, interesting. She was great. In a sense, she's still playing the younger version of another character. But in another sense, she's totally her own person in Hello Me. And it feels like a full on. It is a main lead role. Like her and Chekangi are the main leads of this drama. Like nobody else in that drama really matters. They're all supporting characters. So I kind of think of this as a main role for her. And she knocked it out of the park. She was so, so good. Yeah. Okay, I, I apologize. She she was uh, not the uh, younger version of Susie. She was the younger version of Susie's, like the character's older sister, uh, One and J, oh, okay. played by uh, Kanghana. Okay, so that was the baby who grew the most. And now our final category, which is a category we have decided is going to happen every single year. With the same is, winner. Yeah. <laughs> with the same winner. Uh, ageless Unni. Or the woman who apparently drinks like baby's blood. <laughs> Stay young. I don't know. <laughs> but she just never changes. It's amazing. Um, and that's Jung Nara. Yeah. Who was in Sell Your Haunted House this year. And she has, she just, yeah. I'm watching Go Back Couple right now. And how is she doing a 19 year old? How is she doing it? <laughs> I don't understand. I know. Like I watched, I watched Go Back Couple. I watched it like maybe two weeks before I watched Sell Your Haunted House. And I was like. I'm sorry, how many years were there between this? And then also, like, how are you playing a college student and, like, a woman in her 30s and there's, like, no... Like, there's no suspension of disbelief required. <laughs> it just feels normal and real and, like, that's how she would have looked. It's amazing. She's amazing. <sighs> she was. Okay. Okay. So that's it for our Goguma Awards. We are going to have our Listener's Choice Awards of Best Dramas together in part two with our own choices of best dramas so look forward to that so so you can come find us on social media we are on twitter at dramas overflow and you can find us individually where i am at not nasaya and i'm at anisa khalifa underscore and I, Parma, am at festa fasta you can also find our own flowers on instagram go for at dramas over flowers underscore and you can email us, dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. Also, we have a newsletter. Please sign up. The link is in the description. And you can find us on Facebook. Just search for Dramas Over Flowers. And our website where you can find fun things like all these categories written out with all the dramas that we mentioned at our website. That's dramasoverflowers.net. Dramas Over Flowers is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. 
find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And that's, that's, it. And that's yeah. it for the Google Awards. Happy New Year. We'll see you in part two. Bye. Bye.